Welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. I'm Jay Late Night Larson. And I'm Lyndon Chalky Cabellion. In each episode, we will be talking to different surfers and surf shops to learn more about them and their passion for surfing. We will be diving deep into their experiences as well as their involvement and contributions to their local communities. Be sure to check out our website and Instagram feed for updates on future shows. Thank you for your support and we look forward to sharing these great stories with you. And now a word from our sponsors. Yes, we got sponsors. First up, Foo Wax. The best wax in the game. This stuff is so sticky and grippy, you'll never slip off your stick again. Ever. Ever. Again. So go to your local surf shop. And, and make sure they carry it. And if they don't, demand it. Demand it. You'll be stoked. Try it out. Our next sponsor, Bonsai Bowls. Oh. I know a lot of our listeners have, have had one of these. And if they haven't, they're going to now. They're missing out. They're missing out. It's a healthy, delicious, amazing, fresh acai bowl with tons of fruit and organic like ingredients. They've got five locations in Southern California. From Huntington to San Clemente and all in between. Two in Hawaii. Two in Hawaii for that, those on the North Shore. And, um, you know, come support these guys. They have amazing Asahi bowls and they support the West Coast board riders and a lot of the surf events up and down the coast. And they've made it a lot easier With to get them. They've got their own app now. That's right. Go to your app store and download Bonsai Bowl app and you can pre-order, prepay, and just go pick up. Cut cut through the line. And for our listeners of the Late Night with Chalky podcast, you're going to get 15 off your next bowl. A 15% discount off yes. Bonsai Bowls. That's insane. Um, so make sure to mention the Late Night with Chalky podcast and you get 15% off That's at right. Bonsai Bowls. And one of our other favorite restaurants, oh, Caliente, Caliente OC. Caliente Southwest.com. They offer healthy Mexican style food with local uh, organic ingredients. Family owned. Family owned. Their phone number is 949-515-0909. And our listeners get 15% off there as well. Yeah. So mention Late Night with Chalky Podcast and get 15% off at Caliente OC. And both these guys are great at catering events. So you could use them for a shop event, corporate event, birthday event, wedding, all of the above. They love to party. And last but not least, we are super stoked to welcome Olo Clip as a new sponsor of the Late Night with Chalky podcast. What is Oloclip? Uh, they make the original mobile lens system for your phone. So these can make clips that hold the lenses, the cases that are designed to make it really easy to get the clip on the phone. So check them out at oloclip.com. And for all the Late Night with Chalky podcast listeners, they get 10% off. That's, that's huge. Huge. So at checkout, the code is SURF10, that's S-U-R-F, the number 10, and you get 10% off Oloclip. And you guys got to check check out our Instagram. We're going to be posting pictures with these wide, in, wide lens uh, angles, uh, fish eye, all kinds of cool like photo options with your phone. And for you uh, rich dudes out there, like late night, they do make cl- uh, <laughs> lenses for iPhone 11s. What? What? Epic. Thank you, sponsors. Thank you. Friends and family, brothers and sisters, welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. 
Welcome, you guys. This week we got an awesome guest. I always say awesome, but this guy is truly amazing. He's, he's fucking former, awesome. He, he's a former uh, tour competitor. He's a pipe champ. How not, even? Not people could say that. Pipeline champ. He's one of J-Bay. He's an amazing surf coach and all-around solid dude and has, uh, I don't know, I mean, just... He's, he's got a, a, a plethora of knowledge in the surf industry, and people look to him and search for him to get his insight. And the one and only Jake the Snake Patterson. Woo! Yeah, yeah Jai Dog. How are you, buddies? The so Snake. Well. Wow. So, so, before we get into uh, today, let's go back in time. And um, Jake the Snake, how did you get into surfing? Yeah, well, that's a pretty easy one. I, I grew up near the beach in Cottesloe, which is in Perth. Um, and my dad was a really kind of famous surfer when he was growing up. So, And I've got two brothers, so it was just a natural thing, living close to the beach, fishing every day when there was no surf, and then surfing when there's waves. So it was a pretty pretty good lifestyle living living where I grew up. Nice. So was there, was there lots of consistent surf in Perth, or is it kind of like you'd have to search for waves? Oh, it was horrible. It was, uh, I I guess it would be kind of like your east coast of Florida, like you need a big typhoon or something or like a wind swell or something like that. Like in the middle of summer, there was no waves. But you know what? We were really lucky to have a holiday house down in Yellingup, which is three hours drive south of um, Perth, which is where all the famous waves are as such um, down near Margaret River. And Yeah. uh, yeah, so that kind of like where... Me and my brothers honed our skills, I guess. But Perth was pretty brutal for surf when I was growing up. So it's kind of like you're in Perth during the week, school, and then every weekend you're you're jetting down to Margaret's and that zone. Yeah, every, every trying for every week, every long weekend, every school holidays, and yeah. you know all the holidays and such. You know, went off down, spent all yeah holidays down, scored some really good waves. So tell us a little bit more yeah. about tell us a little bit more about your dad. Um, he just turned 80, so and he was like a pioneer of uh, of surfing at Yelling Up in the south, like the south region. With him and his buddies, he used to come down um, from from Perth and camp in the trees and Yelling Up, and then surf on you know back in the no leg rope and the big mal days, you know. So right, right. Um, yeah, he was like a bit of a pioneer in the WA surf industry. So nice. What what uh what um gosh, what was I going to say? Was he in the surf industry or just? Um, no, no, he just, was just like loved surfing and just, you know, like all of us, yeah. like did it as a passion and yeah, that's awesome. Get you by the ball, you know, and it just takes it takes over your life. Yeah. So it was you and your two other brothers, yeah. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a younger sister as well. So okay. yeah, there's four of us, and um, yeah, but me and my brothers were pretty competitive, and you know kind of like a, a tactic. We've all made state teams together and stuff before, so it was pretty cool. Sick. All pushed Sick. each other. When, when, like, what age did you start? Like, early? Six? Ten? You know? No, like, like ten, ten or eleven ten. or something? Wow. Yeah, I used to be a bodyboarder back in, before that just because <laughs> it was easier, you know? I used to get barreled and stuff and used to think it was uh, pretty cool to get barreled, like, lying down and then, you know... End up doing a re-entry on a borrowed board one day, and that was it. Like I was hooked. Nice. Nice. So is that's usually the case we hear. And, and- 
The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. And from personal experience, yeah, like it just hooks you in and, you know, it just consumes you and you just want to do it and improve every day. Yep, that's it. So where, where are you in the um, age bracket within your... your your uh, siblings uh i'm in the middle so okay. i've got an older you know ant-man paul ant-man Addison, he's uh he's a year and a bit older than me and i've got a younger brother and then a younger younger sister okay so they, the they all surf we know we know paul surfs of course um because yeah. your uh your your sister and younger brother they rip too uh yeah my younger brother used to rip he yeah, he's Flea Man. There's <laughs> Ant-Man, Flea Man, and then Snake Man. Uh, that's how we all grew up. So, um, yeah, my, my sister doesn't really surf, not at all. And then he, my younger brother's kind of given up. He's more of a fisherman. He, he used to rip like as a kid and yeah. then just got consumed by fishing and then just went, oh, too hard. And, you know, when you get to that age, you kind of like, you, can, you only got one, one sport or one you know, recreation Passion. thing that will overtake your life, and he's taken fishing over everything else. So that's cool. That's cool. That's the gift that keeps giving, man. You keep fishing, man. You're good. Feed the family, huh? Yeah. So, so you were boogie boarder, then you started surfing. Do you remember your first surfboard? Um, oh, back in my days, it was a, a foamy. Like a, I used to have these things called foamies. Not the softboards that you're talking about. We're talking about the pure and you know, styrofoam things that are just like kind of like hot knifed out and then just they float on top of the water. But, you know, when we were kids in Perth, we grew up, uh, we call them clubbies, you know, like lifesavers. Yep. Um, you know, like you guys, you know, all your tower stuff in Huntington, whatever. The, <laughs> Junior lifeboats. Yeah. So used to do that as a kid and that honed, honed the skills for paddling power and like, um, swimming and ocean knowledge and all that kind of stuff like so that was really handy as a kid you know you know the fear I never was scared of waves and stuff like all my friends from school like we'd go body surfing and I'd be pulling in these you know four foot closeouts they were like freaking out like it was the most dangerous thing in the world it was kind of like a natural thing so kind of like had it for a pretty young age yeah so, so you got that one little uh, you know screw loose up there it makes you guys <laughs> just want to charge big waves 
Leonard, well, Leonard, I don't know about me. I know my brother's got that screw loose. He's like the, the big wave dude, but yeah. I was a more competitive, um, you know, strategist yeah. as such. Just didn't like to lose, so found a way to win. So was there like a junior tour? I know the East Coast has, you know, a little bit more dense population. Is there, you know, did you guys have a kind of same thing, board riders clubs over there? or? Yeah, yeah. I grew up in a board, yeah, Cottesloe board riders and then, you know, we have uh, a thing called state rounds and yep. and stuff like that. So you make the state team to go compete against the rest of Australia in uh, the Aussie titles, we call it. Yeah. So that was a, a stepping stone back in the day to hone your skills to see how you were, you know, Australian-wide as a kid. Yeah. So you yeah, started, so, uh, when did you start surfing contests? Uh, you had a pretty young age, like 12 or 13 or something. Yeah. So I was pretty young. And then like... Uh, yeah, 13 or something, and then I went in, the, I think it was the under-15s at the time, and then when I was 14, I went through a streak of, like, winning everything in, in WA and then wow. went to the Aussie titles. And I uh, get this, made the final of my first Aussie titles against the Australian. It was Shane Powell, um, Joel Jones, and this guy called Damien Waugh that lives in WA now. So, you know, it's like a honing skills and, um, yeah, yeah. Shane Powell was back in those days, and Noodles, as a matter of fact, Noodles Webster was in it as well. So yeah. Noodles, he's yeah. a competitive machine too. So yeah. how uh, how so you were winning almost everything? Did you win that final against those guys? No, no, no. I got smoked. I think I got fourth against those guys. Okay. Um, but like in WA, I was winning everything. So I was coming through the WA ranks as like like the best junior kind of thing. Yeah. So and so, then went to the Aussie titles. I was in the kind of mix. Like, yeah, I never really won anything like the Aussie titles as such. But And then uh, when I got a bit older, they, there was an Australian um, junior series that was created. The, it was called the Australian Australian Championship Tour uh, Circuit, ACC. So okay. it was the Australian Championship Circuit. Um, so I ended up winning that junior series and then got second to Richard Lovett one year in the Open in the same year and then... Nick, the year after I got second in the Open again and that kind of like paved my way into the QS and then qualified my first year on the QS kind of thing. Yeah, I want to you know, touch on that for sure. But going back, did you um, do you have sponsors to get you, like sponsor support to get to you like the East Coast? Because that's a big flight. It's a far, it's expensive. Or, or no, Yeah, I was told if I ever wanted to make it as a pro surfer, I'd have to move from WA to move to the East Coast for, you know, the exposure and to get mixed yeah. up with the, the – with the with those more competitive guys kind of thing and I just went oh, I'll do it my way or not at all kind of thing so yeah I think it worked out pretty well for me the you know my choices in life how I went now I'll stick to my guns and stick to my strengths um, yeah and uh, you know my small wave skills were honed in Perth growing up and then like my big wave skills from surfing down south in Margaret River is like pretty pretty crazy so um, yeah it. I had sponsors. I had a bunch of sponsors. Uh, I was one of my first sponsors are uh, Hot Buttered Surfboards, um, Rip Curl, Quicksilver, Ocean Earth, um, Arnett Sunglasses. So it was like a crazy mix of back in the day, you know, when you could have 50 stickers. Um, yeah. You know, no, I wasn't getting paid anything. It was just free product and stuff as a kid. And then I kind of like I was the kid that kind of forced my way into making a sponsorship happen kind of thing because I was – so competitive and doing well in contests and then I kind of grinded, grinded, grinded and 
this young little kid from WA came through and kind of forced my way into being noticed. If you get yeah, it wasn't wasn't handed to you. You had to work for it. No, no, it was I was no like Taj, like as in always the golden, you know, guy coming through that was going to win everything and be, you know, a world beater. You know, I was never that kid. I was the guy that grinded and kind of yeah. forced forced the issue to, you know, having to make contracts because I was doing well, kind of. So did you watch your brother get sponsored first and then that kind of fueled you or was your brother? Yeah, well, that, the competitiveness of my brother, but he was always there. We always helped each other out kind of, but the competitive drive as a brother, yeah. you know, I always wanted to, you know, be on his trips and, you know, yeah, he was sponsored first and, you know, I, I truly believe he was a way better surfer than me, but I was way more competitive and yeah. I had a little bit more push as a kid. Um, from other outside the surf industry influences to kind of like push my track down that professional line a bit better than he did. Um, you know, I, I, I think he's a way better surfer than me, but I was just a bit more competitive. Yeah. So tell us like, uh, wh- who, wh- did you have a coach? Did you? Um, not really. Did the coach of all coaches? I was learned from my mistakes and always learned from the guys winning. So, um, like if I lost one way, I'd never lose that way again kind of thing. So I was super competitive about surfing. I obviously lost that way again, but not, not from a mistake of my own. If you know what I mean? Like I always, if I made a mistake, I was kind of learning from that and learning from the guys that were winning heats from, I wouldn't just be at the beach fucking around as a kid. I'd be there like learning and taking notice of what was going on and how to win and, you know, where the best ways were. I was always a tactician as such because, you know, I always, I just knew I wasn't the most talented guy, but, you know, I had that grit. Yeah. Did did you ever think, knowing that now, like back then, that this would turn into a coaching gig? Did you always think of, like, it becoming, you know, of yourself becoming a coach later? I mean, at that period, you just thought thought about winning. No, it was... you know, when I was on tour kind of thing, I was all, you know, they the, the boys nicknamed me the Godfather kind of thing because I was always the guy on the beach all day helping guys out. Naturally, just that was my um, thing. And they'd always ask me what I reckoned about what size board they should ride and where I should sit, you know, where they should sit. All my mates, you know, like Richard Lovett, Luke Hitchings, Tommy Whittaker, yeah. you know, all those, you know, Jared House, the list, you know, noodles and stuff. We all like, it was kind of weird. Back then we all travelled and, knit, you know, hung out together. You know, I used to travel with, Jeff Deffenbar and stuff, we, you know, yeah. in this little pack kind of thing, we always helped each other out to, because yeah. it's hard out there on your own. Yeah. And these days it's, it's completely, it's completely different. Like it's a, it's a higher level and guys have got coaches and assistants, you know, or travel buddies that cut filmers. And, you know, that was back in our days where it was, you know, did it as cheaply as you could with a bunch of your guys to cut the costs and yeah, um, grind. went to, to grind out the, the, the tour. It was pretty heavy. Yeah. Well, it's a bummer you didn't hang out with Larson too much because he could have really used that, you know. <laughs> we did hang out a bit. But I, um, yeah, I used to stay at Jeff Deffenbar's place across the road from where Jay used to live in Huntington. So, yeah, we hung out quite a bit. And I mean, going back to that first year of you qualifying, I mean, I, I don't. You're kind of like a late bloomer to the QS. Not that we were all kids, you know, we were all young, but. I at least had a little bit of a, a seed. I don't think I started in the first round yeah. when I went and traveled. And here comes Jake, first 
round, first heat the entire year because he had zero QS points and ended up qualifying. Like, yeah, yeah, but that, but in saying that, I was I had some great results in the Australian leg, and I had this because I got second in the, the Australian circuit before I had seeds in all those events. So that's where it was my really huge start for that year because yeah. um, you know the, we had Newcastle, which was a really high QS rate event. We had Margaret's, which was really high QS rate event. I made semifinals in both those events, and I won a two star on the Gold Coast, which is back then was like you know I beat I beat Shane Besh and you know Simon Law and you know Sunny Garcia and stuff were all in this this QS event. You know the old Billabong Pro at Kira. Yeah, yeah, the Kira yeah. event, but it was at D-Bar because there was no ways at Kira this year. But I actually won that event the year I qualified. So, you know, that was a huge confidence to start off my whole campaign of um, yeah. qualifying. So, yeah. Yeah, I just remember you, like, you had, I think it was, like, first round. first. Yeah, I grinded for sure. For after, like, after the Australian leg, I was grinding from round one in all these, I went to the, like, I don't know. We ended up doing like 21 events that year or something on the QS. It was pretty gnarly. Yeah, Mexico, two stars and shit was like crazy. Yeah, and there was like new new events that year. I think um, Europe had like six or seven QSs and like five of them were in Portugal and we were going to places that I didn't even know existed. Yeah, right? it was crazy. Back and just jumped in the car and off you went, huh? It was like, holy shit. And back in those days, you're reading maps, like paper <laughs> maps. Yeah. Like, a bunch of you guys, and they all had different currencies, so you have to have currency for the toll gates for three different countries that you're traveling through one day. It was like the kids these days have no idea, trust no me, idea. on how hard the tour was. No, no, call, no, no phone, yeah. no GPS. Call your travel agency and stuff to change tickets, and like it was nightmare. Going into embassies to get your um, visas. visas and stuff to Brazil and having to oh. go do that in Portugal and it was crazy stuff, but you know, yeah, it kind of made us stronger, and the people who we are today kind of made us grow up quick, you know, and at least know, like, yeah, how to how to get through life, you know, and pretty much oh, zero, sure. zero money, and you know, it didn't take much. We didn't care. We were living. We were living. Yeah, hard. that was it. That was totally it. Like living for sure. I mean, kids these days, if if you take their phone away from them, they're they're done. Yeah, <laughs> you know absolutely. What, I mean? what are they going to do? They can't call someone. They can't use a map to get out of somewhere. It's like, yeah. oh, God. I hate to admit it, but I'd be lost too. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jake, I wanted to kind of like go back and and, and kind of uh, identify like why and how you became such a voracious freaking competitor. Like, you know, what, what, what was it about competing and like who in your family or, or – who in your peers or somebody you looked up to that you're like, damn, I want to win contests. And you, you know what I mean? What fueled that fire and how, how did you get inspired so much? Um, well, I, I basically had to work to travel back in the day. So I was doing these, all these crazy jobs like digging holes in construction sites, like uh, belt sanding like old houses to repaint them and doing like all these, you know, working in uh, wineries down south and uh, being a dish pig at restaurants at night, all just to get travel money to go do the, you know, the tour. So it was like, that, that kind of makes you competitive. Wow, <laughs> you that's awesome. Like, you know, makes you hungry. It's like those Brazilian guys you hear, like, that grow up in the, um, you know, in the favelas or something like that, just going, well, what kind of life do you want to lead? You either want to 
grind your life away being a shit kicker or you want to put every heart and soul into competing and learning and and just not taking no for an answer, just banging that door until it's open kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just I just hated losing and you know I just you know and the other option was like not very good for me if you know what I mean. I wasn't the most academic kid in the world, so. I wasn't going to go to university and do that, so I was going to be either a you know start an apprentice or or put all my eggs into one basket and make it happen. So that's yeah. what did I you, did. Did you did you have like a backup plan like while you're trying to make the tour? Like, hey, if this doesn't work out, I'm going to go work at my buddy's surf shop or build boards or work in the surf industry. Or you're like, screw it, I'm just going to go learn to lay brick or build houses. Or I mean, what were your uh, my balls were on the chopping block, brother. <laughs> <laughs> they were on the chopping block, and there was no, there was just, they're all going to get chopped off, or I was, there was no backup, backup plan. I was all or nothing kind of thing. So, yeah. I, I mean, when I was so young, I was just like, you know, if it doesn't work out, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll pick something up kind of thing. I was always yeah. had that feeling that I'd always land on my feet kind of thing. I wasn't, you know, I don't know. I yeah. just went, I'll just make it happen. You get what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a good attitude to have what, no matter what your dream or hobby or profession is, is just, you know, know that, you know, I'll take the losses, I'll rebound, I'm going to land on my feet and keep pushing forward. And I think that's something important to like, you know, take note of. I mean, a lot of people just expect somebody to hand them something or, hey, you know, I need help. No, it's you. You got to do it. You know, you got to yeah. hustle. Yeah. Yeah. And my whole thing is worth ethic, if you get what I mean. Like I grinded. I I was running sand dunes. I was, you know, I was doing some hard yards to be the fittest guy on tour, kind of thing, because I felt like I had to be to survive. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I told Taj to come. I'll win him a world title when we're on tour. Come train with me for one summer, kind of thing. He came one day and went, no chance. Yeah. I said I trained to I trained to stay on tour. I was, you know, and yeah. he had the natural talent. So that, that that's a difference, kind of thing. So. So what um, was uh. What was the um, idea of like, because surfers back in the day didn't really train, right? They did, yeah, but it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't like what you guys do now, right? I mean, not like these days. Everyone's like an animal. Like, yeah. it's, everyone knows if they want to be the best or put in yeah. the best performance, you have to train. That was just purely, um, that's how I kind of like, uh, one of my early sponsors, um, Creatures of Leisure. Um, my dad was part owner of that. That's another one of my part-time jobs, tying leg ropes back in the day. Um, uh, the owner of that, John Malloy, he he set me up with a trainer and an old um, a guy called Steve Smith that lived in Perth and I used to drive to Perth twice a week, which is six hours return, like three hours up, three hours back, just to go training with this guy. Wow. Um, and it's like a worth ethic kind of thing. It's like I took it as a job. You know yeah. what I mean? This is, this is my job. It's not like I'm going surfing like half the guys used to. They used to go, you know, they go, I'm just going to surf and, you know, that's my training. That's my fitness kind of thing. And I used to just go, no, no, I've, you know, John made me do this training. Well, hook me up with this guy, Steve Smith, and he was a um, an old SS um, Navy, Navy guy that was just gnarly and got me into this headspace of of being this competitive animal kind of thing. And, right. And like, you know, can't be late, you know, you've got to be prepared. Like preparation is the key for everything, you know. You yeah. like you can control your, your fitness, your mindset, your equipment, control everything you can control and leave Mother Nature to that one little for you delivering on your on your canvas. So that was my worth ethic kind of thing and it kind yeah. of really worked. And that's how I coach kind of thing. I was I 
you know, I'm not I'm not a back patter coach, if you get what I mean. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I demand a lot from these kids because I put a lot into the, my coaching as well. Like, I'm up at 5 a.m. as well, going to the beach, videoing and doing all this stuff, and I demand them to be fit, healthy, you know, all the equipment sorted. You know, I help, but it's, you know, it's, if, when it's game day, when if they make a mistake, all the stuff we've been working on, I kind of, like, beat them up. Yeah. Like, I don't, not literally, but, like, just kind of like I get pretty, pretty down when, you know, yeah. If we worked at things and it doesn't turn out, like we're it's pretty hard to master. This is awesome uh, information because uh, you know it's it's killer to see how where where that fire like came from, and it's cool that the guy from Creatures of Leisure set you up with the trainer, and the guy's named Steve Smith, right? And and yeah. this guy freaking helped pave the way for your mindset. You know, yeah, he knew features. nothing about surfing. Yeah, like he just goes, "This is he, 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 he was he ended up being the Australian cricketer coach um, trainer." In yeah. matter of fact, so you know, and he worked with footy teams and cricketers and all these other athletes kind of thing. He just went, he, "You're an athlete, right?" So this is yeah. what you got to do. Yeah. You know, what what kind of workouts was he making you do? A lot of boxing, a lot of circuit work, like. Uh, not like as in learning how to box, but like yeah. if you've ever hit a boxing bag for two minutes, you know how hard it is. Yeah. It's like, it's gnarly. Dude, so, I do it all the time, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but like just a lot of circuit work, you know, like two minutes on the on the bag and then like 30 seconds break and then uh, two minutes, uh, you know, doing uh, leg squats or skipping and then two, two more minutes on the bag. Yeah. You know, just a, a circuit work for like half an hour and, you know, just mind stuff to get you and like a lot of... Uh, bike work which was the worst yeah you know, bike work your head like uh if you're doing these things on a on a treadmill with the you know the mountain things yeah yeah you got to keep your your rate over something they're the they're the hardest things in the world so yeah but it's all in your head like he was just going it's all in your head your body will be you'll be unbelievable what you can put your body through right yeah let's let's go find out wow <laughs> it was so heavy so how but old were you when when this was going on uh i was like uh she's 21 22 wow so australians are pretty notoriously known for being party animals oh, yeah. <laughs> right here, you guys you guys uh you like you guys like to take to the piss right yeah should, so, should we talk to jay about this because that's what i thought he was like when i was on tour when i started at uh at Jay, Jeff Deffenbach's place across the road, all I knew about was his pool, his spa parties with Benji <laughs> and all the boys come around every every afternoon. Yeah, it's happy hour. Happy hour life. <laughs> and there was me doing like crunches and stuff in, 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 in Jay, JD's backyard. So back in those days, I, uh, I yeah, wasn't any kind of a party animal at all. I was too focused. Like just, yeah. I had a mission. You know, yeah. man, I wanted to be a pro surfer and, I wasn't going to let anything in the way, get in the way. That's crazy because when, you know, um, when I, I've been watching a lot of uh, Sarge's scrapbooks and just old videos and I see like, I've seen you guys partying, you, Richie Lovett, you know, um, who else? It's like, called celebrating after your wins. <laughs> That's exactly it. Like, no, but seriously, there was a time and place for it all. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like. You know, if you, if you reward, you know, I reward myself for sure. We partied like, yeah. you know, I've had some of the best parties ever in Hawaii after winning Sunset and Pipe but and it, stuff. But yeah. it would work. You, you got to, you know, it's not just because you're lost and you go, oh, I'm going out to party. It was, I'd, 
I'd be running staircases if you know if I lost early in an event yeah. the next day. That's so gnarly. That's awesome. Because uh, from from my point of view, and and I'm sure you know others' point of view, we looked at you guys. are like, damn, those guys rage and they rip, and they're still killing it. You know what I mean? So yeah, I mean, we, did that. we did it all. <laughs> yeah, I think it's kind of you know that's what you see and you know you hear. But I mean, at the end of the day, like being a professional is a job like we go party but i'd be up at six o'clock trying to go you know get you know in my i wasn't winning heat so i had to go get photos in the magazine and go get yeah. video parts but you you know you, you still took it serious but yeah you you know you're young you're 21 and you still want to go out and have fun yeah yeah i think late night lars still you know should have ran stairs with jake the snake because uh, i could have been qualified <laughs> easy <laughs> Oh, I needed a coach back then, a life yeah, coach, you did. a coach. You might still need one now, bro. I, I, you know, <laughs> I'm working on it. Working on it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, those early days on the, on, the, on the QS, I mean, you pretty much made that leap pretty quick to the CT. And, I mean, that's a whole other level of competing versus the four-man heats, you know. How did you – how was your, your first, you know, year of adjusting going to that, that next tour? Oh, it was unbelievable. It was, um, it was. I grew up pretty quick. I mean, you know, I was I was 24, just made the tour, you know, and um, I just got married and I had my first kid at like that that age, 24. So I was like off on it was off we went kind of thing. Um, and uh, you know, my son's 22 years old. You know, wow, he's like a, it's it's crazy how time flies. But um, yeah. you know, I've got three kids now, so it's like. Yeah, it's, it's I, crazy. And uh, I, I think I was at your engagement party. Oh, you would have been. That was like around Margaret's, like yeah. back in way back in the day. Yeah, major raging house party. And I think I just <laughs> yeah, passed was. out in, on the floor in one of your rooms. You come down. <laughs> yes, I remember all you guys coming. I think yeah. it was when the Margaret's event was here. So, um, yeah, uh, my first year on tour was crazy. Like it was. But I, you know, me, Noodle, Webster, and Richard Lovett all qualified that year. So off we went. This little gang of guys, and we went to attack the world kind of thing. I made a reunion island was the CT. I made the final. I, you know, I get I got beaten by Kelly in the final of that at my first year. So shut up. I was like, this is really crazy. Yeah, yeah, I made a final in my first year, and um, I was gonna say because I have notes of you got second in a rip curl event. And I I knew it was this like the search where they rotated, but I didn't know what it was. So it was no, uh, it wasn't a search back then. It was um just a rip curl it event. Was, it was just the it was yeah it was like the reunion was, event was always on mm. back then. It was just that was the tour stop, and then I I went to G Land and I got fifth. Um, you know it was I just. It was incredible. Like, just I was on this tour that I could never thought I was going to be this pro surfer, and then all of a sudden, I'm there's this kid that's just like I'm on tour with Kelly Slater, and you know, guys like Derek, you know, well, God rest his soul, Derek Ho yeah, was still on tour, peace. Shane Haran, Tom Carroll, you know, all these guys are, you know, Potts was still on tour, Gary Elkerton, yeah. you know, so it was pretty sick back in those days, I tell you. Yeah. Martin Lynch, Duma, they were all still on tour. Photo, Vitia David. Yeah. So good. let's go back to that first final, um, Reunion Island. Yeah. Do you remember who was in the, you know, your pathway from the quarters to the semis to the final? Uh, geez, I think I beat, I beat Clowney Rob in the semis. Um, oh, geez, no, I don't remember before that. Um, I know I had Renan Rocha 
I had one crazy heat against Renan Rocha that I had like four nine-point rides at, at this perfect left. You know what I mean? It was like, for me, Reunion Island's like a, a, it's a backhanders wave. It's like, oh, and it just suited suited me down to a T kind of thing. You can do these backhand snaps and keep on going down the line because you have to. And on your on your forehand, you got to do an arc and sometimes you get stuck. But on your backhand, you just go bang, bang, bang. And I was really good at reading waves and which waves I wanted and kind of all it takes is one heat like that to give you confidence to go, whoa, maybe this is this is easy kind of wow. thing, you know, and the judges were loving it, you know, throwing nines and I was going, wow. You know, I didn't feel like I was even out of third gear and I was getting nines. So I just had a confidence level that really worked and, yeah. And I went to J-Bay the next week and got smoked in the 33rd in the round though. So, you know, it was just up and down like a yo-yo in my first year. I think I had six 33rds, so, which was last place. It was pretty... Pretty crazy. Tell us how how are the waves for that for reunion? Was it pumping? Uh, it it was really big on the final day. So I was riding a six eight surfboard. Wow! Believe it or not, um, Kelly was riding a six three or something. But like it was really really big, um, and uh, so it, you really had to be selective because the big ones went off the reef and like bat and uh, wave went off that. So and it was a lot hard work if you ever surf reunion islands like a it's a long wave and it's a long paddle and um, um, you have to be fit. It was best three back in those days. So it was grinding. So no, no jet ski assist. No, 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 all no paddling. these guys are so spoiled these days. Yeah, they are. <laughs> I got a bit of that. So it was pretty sick. How, I mean, reunion, how beautiful. And I mean, what an amazing wave, but that, yeah, that's, it's crazy. You can't surf there anymore. Right. Or, or unbelievable how the world is just, it's so crazy that, so many shark attacks there that, that they just don't allow people to surf. You cannot surf. It's against the law. That's so crazy. What, what was the uh, final outcome of what scores did you get against Kelly? Oh, I think I got smoked. He sucked me into a wave at the start of that. I knew it was too big, but he hooted me into it. It was bullshit. I still remember <laughs> it to this day. We're talking like, you know, it was 1996, I think. Um, and I just remember, like, the wave was too big. I didn't want it. And I was looking at it going, oh, I didn't want, really want him to go it either. And then he kind of hooted me. And I, and I just went, ah, oh, yeah, I'll go. And I went fat off the thing. And it just put me in the worst rhythm. And then, yeah, he got the wave I wanted. And then tactician or that guy. Yeah. He, I, I got, he, got, he, he was ripping. That's funny. So first year, you, you, you made final. the final. And then you said you got smoked in J-Bay. And then you made another final. You know, I made quarterfinals at, G- at um, G-Land. Oh, nice. Yeah. What so year was that? That was, that was incredible. I had my first 10-point ride at G-Land against Michael Melsey at Speedy's Reef. It was probably the best waves I've ever seen in my life. Pumping. Yeah, wow. it was unbelievable. If you, if you go back and watch some of those G-Land videos of how wow. unbelievable the waves were, it was mind-blowing. This is when Besh and, and Kelly was doing switch foots in the barrels and like, yeah, it was yeah. crazy. And I was, you know, just this kid just frothing out, just going surfing all day, every day, just going, this is the best shit ever. I was looking so forward to that this year too. That event, yeah, I'm so back on tour. Uh, going too. Let's come back. So yeah. crazy. Crazy year we're in. Crazy year. But yeah. um, I mean, you, you, you started off pretty strong. I mean, you, I, I mean, for anybody to make a final the first year and quarter, I mean, that's got to be a great confidence booster, you know. Even though you, you had those thirty thirds and that, you know, that kind of, you know, up down um, kind of finish. But I mean, 
you you did that for a couple of years with pretty consistent um, you know placements. Right on yeah, I went a bit. I always backed myself up on the QS. Like I won the QS Tour a couple of years as well. So yeah. I was always, and I finished fifth in the world twice on the CT. But I was like still qualifying in the QS as well because I just was. I'm not leaving anything to chance. I'm, I'm just like going. Like I wasn't yeah. that guy that went. I'll just back myself up in the CT. No worries. I was yeah. like going to build for three thousands for you know. I was yeah. going. You're a I didn't want to leave any stone unturned. Tell us about that, Jake. How many how many WCTs were there, and how many QSs were there? I was doing about twenty five to twenty eight events a year, so there was normally ten to twelve um, CTs back in those days, and then yeah, yeah I was doing an extra ten or twelve. Um, yeah, so QSs. you were, you were I love, definitely I love the tour. Like it flowed a lot better, kind of yeah. thing. You know, like J Bay was right when Durban was on back in the Gunston five hundred kind of thing. So I was like. You could you know, double you dip at a lot of a lot uh, of venues, yeah. and yeah. you go through Europe. You know, you go to Europe for you know the whole summer, and then you stay for the CTs, and so it was it was a bit of a grind, but I loved it. Like, yeah, and then you had Hawaii. You know, you had you know the two Haleva Sunset, and then you had uh, the pipes. So there was another another trio right there. Yeah, so it was it, it kind of worked out pretty well, like the the scheduling and you go to Brazil if you wanted to really grind it out for four events or something, you know, before the CT in mind you. So it was, yeah, I didn't do it every year, but I did it some years. So Hawaii was a, a I mean, out, you know, obviously you're a pipe master and we'll talk about that in a minute, but you, you, you won, um, you know, sunset pro twice and you finaled Holly Eva. So you were really comfortable and not just competing, but competing in big waves too. So, I mean, yeah, that just gave me you... extra confidence kind of thing. I mean, living where I live, like um, for me, we j- I jump on a big board every week. Yeah. No worries. Yeah. Like a step up or even like I surf bombies and stuff like on six ten, seven footers all the time. So going to Hawaii was like a drink, like, like yeah. my backyard kind of thing. No worries. Like East Coast guys get to jump on a big board once a year kind of thing. Yeah. I'm doing it once a week kind of thing over where I live. So yeah. it's like more of like what I was comfortable with. And like, it's a confidence thing um, going up against, you know, guys like Andy and stuff like that. Like at sunset, like surfing against Kelly at sunset, you know, all of a sudden you're, you're, you're the favorite to beat him. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? That's what other place can, would you be favorite against Kelly at, yeah. at a venue he, like he nowhere do. around the world besides sunset probably so i hone my skills at sunset because you can get waves you know, pipes really hard to to practice and hone your skills i know kelly that's what he you know in his black and white movie he was all about pipe 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 yeah. and that's probably hindered his sunset performance you know mm. but you know i was all about going out sunset and you know having a bit more fun and i wasn't that guy chasing you know as you said you were all about getting movie parts and stuff i was about yeah honing skills to, to win events kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Your brother is known for big wave surfing, right? Yeah, he's won Sunset too. He yeah. won the X level. Wow. Nice. So did, did he... Uh, and the World Cup, as a matter of fact. Did he, when you guys were growing up, was he the guy that was trying to push you and hoot you in the waves too? Get, get yeah, well, he, I, don't know, I don't know what happened to him, but he, he's, he's, he's got third in the eddy twice. Wow. <laughs> he's got a few... A couple of twisties short of the pack, I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know yeah. what happened. He he's a bit of a nutter. Like he, he did the big world, big wave world tour way back in the day. Um, you know when they, not like the the WSL one, but like way back in the day they had this little tour thing. They used to go to 
Totos, I think, and yeah. then somewhere in South Africa, t- Dungeons or something, I don't know. Yeah. But he's he's done really well in all the big wave stuff. Um, but yeah, I was I was kind of more more competitive, like as in grinding away. It's, those guys are Fruit Loops, dude. Yeah, like, like, <laughs> these days it's like Shane Dorian and those guys. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> like they're crazy. So in a good way. How how did he get the nickname Ant Man? Oh, he's just always he's small. He's tiny little grommet. Like okay. when he, he was like when we grew up, he was like the the best surfer in like. Cottesloe and then like kind of Perth and always hung out with the older guys. So he's all this, yeah. and he's pretty small, still small. You okay. know what I mean? I'm way bigger than him, heavier. And um, he was just like, call him Ant Man, you know? How'd you, get, how'd you get Snake? Uh, the, well, the older guys he used to, um, he used to hang out with, like, you know, you always had to have these older guys you hang out with at your local kind of thing. Yeah. So there was, there was Ant-Man and then there was Jake Snake and then it was Flea Man, my younger brother. So yeah. it was just like one of those things that stuck. So I yeah. ran with it, you know, put snakes on my board and, yeah. you know, it became a thing, you know. So it worked really well for me, like as in, you know, noticeable. I, I truly believe, you know, you've got to have yourself as a brand kind of thing. You've got to work yourself as like, you know, Tom Carroll, like he, you know, had his swish on all his boards. It was yeah. like, how's that stuff? You know, it was yeah. like, and I had snakes. And so every, when you're at a beach that no one knows and then see some guy walking down the beach, like, oh, this guy's got a snake, must be Jake Snake. You yeah. know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah. it kind of worked. You, you got to embrace that, you know, late yeah. night, embrace that late night. Yeah. 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 See, you've been running with that for 30 years. Dude. <laughs> you know, we, we came up with this podcast and I, I tried to like, you know, try to rebrand myself, but Lennon had no, 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 no nothing, nothing about it. Rebrand yourself. It was going to be oh, happy yeah. hour lar. That's it. Happy, happy hour, hour lar doesn't work, does it, Jake? The snake. Yeah. <laughs> it's late night. Yeah. But were you, I mean, going back to where you grew up, I mean, it was pretty much, like you said, real similar to Hawaii. You had, you know, tons of exposure to big swell. It could be two foot in the day, in the morning, and 10 foot in the evening, you know. So you guys got a lot of raw energy. And I mean, you have slabs, you have, Waves like sunset, you have beach breaks, you have, I mean, pretty much, I mean, every wave on tour is in your backyard. Yeah, pretty much. All in about, you know, 45-minute drive along our coast, you've got yeah. pretty much every stop of the tour you could go find if you wanted to. Right. And it's pretty rural, like, meaning, like, you you know, you didn't have surf line back then and, you know, you couldn't just go look, pull up to the beach. You you kind of had to know and read the conditions and make, make, make that call early or... Just yeah, we you know, I did a lot of miles in the car for sure because it's like we should always always go look at the beach and you go surf the first spot you think of because always chase your tail in the southwest of Western Australia somewhere's got to be pumping and you yeah. drive up and down you'll normally go back to the same place but two hours later <laughs> um, you know surf the same spot that you you first check but you know it's you know it's incredible coastline it's like you know it's kind of like the North Shore yeah you know, and we got some incredible world class waves. One of my favorite places to to, to visit, for sure. So uh, going back, what was your first surf trip? Do you remember? Oh, geez. Like out of the country? Uh, Out of the country was... um, Indo? I think it might have been the World Games that I went to Barbados in for the Australians. Yeah, I was only probably 16 at the time. Wow. Mini mini Haliva soup bowls? Yeah, Soup Bowls is incredible. I didn't do right. any good. The heat really 
screwed me. <laughs> like I wasn't used to the heat and just, um, yeah, I didn't do any good. But uh, Kelly and Kelly was there. Kelly won the juniors, and Sean um, Slater won the opens that year. So, but just that experience and um, just to go to something like that with a, the Australian team and um, yeah, we stopped off in Hawaii for a couple of days on the way back, and it was it was sick. I loved it. Yeah, but that was. Sixteen. I would like to see that on tour. That'd be a good little spot. Soup bowls. Oh, soup bowls would be incredible, wouldn't it? Right. Just yeah, yeah. consistent and it's like and a premise almost. You know what I mean? It's like it's got his little like arena right there on the beach and like, like yeah. the cliff, and that that's a killer little zone. Well, I mean, let's let's I mean let's go back to some of your you know famous wins. Um, you said you the first year you 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 finaled at reunion. The next. A couple weeks later, you're at J Bay. You get 33rd. You didn't let that happen again, though, right? You came back and had a couple back-to-back wins there. And J Bay, I mean, yeah, J Bay is like a special spot for me. I, wow. you know, it's like a, it's a tough wave. It's if you, you get one, it's like a, it's every heat out there is a game of chess kind of thing. And I don't want back to two years in a row, but one year was best three, and the next year was best two waves. So it was like it's a whole different game if you get what I mean then yeah it, I don't know what's happened but like the last few years when I've been coaching at Joe Bain it's been the most consistent I've ever seen it back <laughs> in our day I swear to god it was so slow you didn't get a chance to fall off on a wave like it was you had to go from A to B make sure you didn't fall off and um because you didn't two, two good ones. ones I mean, I mean you fall off on one you weren't going to get that other chance so yeah. I just honed and always wrote a bigger board and just you know known for two feet on the tail pad and just throwing buckets of water. Like, timing was really good and just, you know. Yeah. I reckon I made Andy win a couple a couple of times too. He was just always freaking out why I always did so good there. And he was going, whoa, what's going on? I said, a couple of inches longer, mate, a little pintail. And then next year he's riding a couple of inches longer, pintail makes the finals. That's so yeah. funny. A lot, a lot of paddling, a lot of endurance there, for sure. Yeah, it is. No jet skis there. Well, they're kind of using jet skis a little bit now, but yeah. it's, a, it's a natural um, nature park, so they're not allowed to. Yeah. T- tell us who won, who was in that final with you. Uh, I had Taylor Knox one year. and uh, Taylor Pedersen Knox Rosa. made a final? T-Bone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> finals, mate. He just never won anything. <laughs> Bonehead made the final? Yeah. Wow. He, if, I don't know if you've ever seen him surf J-Bay, but he's incredible. Oh. Incredible. That's kind yeah. of, I mean, lowers right and, and J-Bay is suited for for Knox, right? Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. All he had to do was stay on his feet. And he was, he, you know, he smoked Kelly a couple of years out there. Like, and Kelly was amazing out there as well. But, um, yeah, he was he was the man to beat most of the time. Nice. I, I finaled out there one time, dude. It was a two-star U.S. before it was a CT, so I, I put a couple. <laughs> we're gonna need I, to I see some proof. We're gonna need to see some proof because I think that's uh, we're, we're gonna have the fact checkers check that one. Here, let me go check my uh, my 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 my, uh, my trophy <laughs> board over here. Wait, uh, wait, there is none. Where, where, where are they? <laughs> um, Jake, what uh, what boards have you been riding? Or uh, did you ride back then? Oh, back then, yeah. Um, I was riding sponsored by Darren Hanley back in the day. DHs, so, uh, huh? Yeah, I yeah I spent most most of my time on DHs. I nice. kind of like rode a bit of everything, but mostly DHs kind of thing. Um, you know, when I went when I went to America, I'd pick up a couple of Merricks and or a Mayhem or you know to, I, I used to kind of 
believe in the fact that the local shapers shape best in that in that um, in that area kind of thing. Yeah, um, I won J Bay on a Channel Bottom um, Peter Daniels one year. Yes. Wow. I got some really good boards from that guy, and they were so yeah. cheap. You show up there, you're like, "Wait, how much are boards?" Okay, I'm going to order a bunch. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like 150 bucks for a surfboard. Up. Right. Yeah, I'll take a couple of those. Yeah, yeah. I had a couple. Yeah, because I used to do Durban first, and I used to go. Yep, I used to do the same. Buy a couple of Peter Dan. Had a good relationship with him, and got yeah. a couple of sick channel bottoms off him. So yeah. I love channel bottoms. So, so you yeah, went JB twice. So Knox the first time, and then the second time, who were you finaled it? Uh, it was actually Pedersen Rosa the first year. I beat him in the final, and then uh, Taylor Knox the second okay. year. So it was 2000, 2001. Conditions were pretty good. Were they dreamy? or um, Against Pedersen Rosa, it was pretty good. A really nice, like really slow, but like four foot kind of clean. And then against Taylor, it was like onshore and really hard to surf. Probably benefited me a bit better wave selection wise, and kind yeah. of put him out. He had the bit, he had the biggest score in the final, but I had like two medium score. He probably fell off a couple of times knowing him, but yeah, um, yeah. I got him on the hooter. In a matter of fact, on my last wave. Oh wow! Walking up the rocks and they call out the score for the for the win. Yeah, but 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 out there, I mean, even when it's really good and pumping, it's still wave selection. Like not every one of those waves hits, you know, lines up and hits, you know, super tubes right, and you know, it's still tricky, you know. So oh, yeah, yeah. I, my wave selection and my lineups and everything were, were pinpoint like kind of thing. I knew I knew the waves that I wanted and the waves that stretched out too much that were going to be too quick and you can't do any turns. Yeah. Because they're, they're, you know you're almost one of the fatter ones, so you can slow it all down because it's it's a quick wave in general as it is. So. Um, yeah, I, I was just that guy, you know, just, just made, made all the top guys on, kept all the top guys honest kind of yeah. thing. You know, I was always those, that annoying fucking prick that always had a couple of sixes, a couple of sevens <laughs> that, you know, if you made any mistakes, was going to sit on you with priority and shit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Never give this guy an inch, man. He's going to take you out. Yeah. I tell you, that's, that, that's my motto. You know what I mean? That's, that's the work hard ethic kind of thing. You know, don't yeah. make mistakes because what, well, you know. If you don't make mistakes, it's going to be way better. Yeah, yeah, don't don't give opportunity to your competitor. You know, if you make mistakes, you just open the door for them to do the same. You know. Yep. It's crazy how uh, Larson speaks so well on competition nowadays. He's a coach oh, now. Right? <laughs> I'm, I'm like that tough guy, computer guy, you know, keyboard guy, and all the you know the Instagrams. Like, oh, yeah, tough. I mean, it sounds like he knows what he's talking about now. If you could do it all over again, hey, Lardog. Yeah. Uh, you know, my problem was is the ways this didn't come to me. I was yeah, patient, yeah. too patient. See, that's another thing I coach. I, I say, I say, luck's a cop out. Yeah. I say, you're out there. Why well, was that guy lucky and he got the wave? I mean, what do you yeah. mean the wave didn't come to you? It's like, that's, that's, that's bad. I was position. always making up excuses. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't. I know. I, I tried. I loved it. I loved com- competing. It was just. You know, uh, uh, the QS was mostly in two foot beach breaks all over. And it just, you know, I, I'd excel in the good wave spots where that luck factor kind of went down. It was more performance and, and actually surf quality. But um, I just, yeah, I just grind. Huh? It's I like, still be on have one bad heat or one bad week. It's like, wow. Yeah. Uh, you know, 
And uh, like you're doing 20 something plus events. That's, that's a lot of draining, uh, men- mental draining right there. Yeah. Yep. Travel's oh. fun, but it is grinding, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, but you got to love it. Like, yeah. you know, a lot of kids these days are pretty spoiled. Like, all get homesick and stuff like that. It's like pretty, you know, I just go, you guys have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's the best job in the world. You, you don't even know what a real job is, kind of thing. It's like, you know, I always say we, we should go visit like children's hospitals a bit more, like when I'm taking and coaching and stuff, because they were all worried and snapping and punching their boards and shit. I'll just go, go to a children's hospital and, and see what, you know, what life could be like if, you know, reality of some kids, you know. Oh, you're, you're a 21 year old kid traveling around the world doing what you love to do, getting paid yeah, shit loads of money. Yeah. 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 You know, and you're punching your board because of why? Because you lost some stupid little heat. Yeah. 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 Well, before we get into coaching, let's talk more about your competitive prowess. So, Lar, you said he won a bunch. I mean, I've watched you in some of those Triple Crown events. Like, uh, you won Pipe, right? Pipe was a biggie. Pipe Master. Tell us about that. Well, I was on the beach. I could tell you. Lar was on the beach? I was on the beach. Every year, for sure. You got for Bruce? I like that wave, and I like that competition, and I like it when it's backdoor and not just pipe. And that that year was, you know, obviously the rights were proper. Yeah, it was pumping backdoor that day for yeah. sure. Yeah, the final day. The, the, the whole event, the whole event was crazy. It was like that was the year that Kelly was miles behind, and it was for the world title, and it was um, Danny Wills and Mick Campbell going for the world title, and Shane Beshin was like a a little outside chance at the world title. Wait, and, Mick um, Campbell? Mick Campbell was that close to a world world title? Yeah, I think he was. It was Danny Wills was leading, I think, and then he lost early, and then Mick Campbell was leading because he got through a couple of heats. And then, yeah, Kelly had to make the quarters or something to beat them both, and they had to both lose where they lost. So yeah. it was crazy. And Kelly won that year? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so Lyndon, Bruce <laughs> won that final was getting carried up the beach on people's <laughs> shoulders. They were counting down. No, he wasn't. Ten, nine, and oh, oh, here's another wave. And this guy gets so pitted and makes it, of course. But I think Bruce is like on the shoulders turning around and just like, wait, what just happened? The heat's over. I won. And he didn't. This guy did. Jake, the snake. Yeah. Fighting to the last second. Oh. That was me. Not over till it's over, huh? <laughs> like, Bro, I need to hear. Jake, yeah, tell us about tell that. Well. You didn't tell it very well, Adam. Do you want me to tell it? Yes. Yeah. Come on. I was just setting it up. Okay. I'll, I'll tell. Yeah, well, I, I started telling it. Um, so that was the year that Kelly came from miles behind to win the world title, blah, blah, blah. So I was kind of like the, just coming through the, the ranks or whatever. And that the year um, Johnny Boy had won the year before, so he was the wild card for the um, the, the first year. So my first heat was probably 18, 20 foot pipe. No shit, it was the biggest pipe you've ever paddled out in. Um, I had Mick Campbell going for the world title. He was I was in the middle seat, and then I had Johnny Boy, and third was out. So like, you, if you got third in your first round, and back in those days, you're you're gone. So me and Mick Campbell end up. Beating Johnny Boy, it was like 
I don't know, I had a six and a five, I think. Didn't No one got barreled. It was that big. It was like Johnny Boy had a two and a one, I think. Came in at Beach Park, took his rashy, n- never to be seen again. It was like George Foreman getting beaten by Muhammad Ali in the, in the rumble of the jungle, never to be seen again. <laughs> wow. um, and then, yeah, and then the next day was huge again. I had Sean Sutton. I'm sure you guys remember who Sean Sutton was. Yeah. I had a crazy, it was probably the most perfect 10 to 12 foot pipe I've ever seen. And I'm having a pretty good heat beating him. And then all of a sudden, I'm on finals day. You get what I mean? Round before quarters. Um, you know, you win two heats and then you make finals day. I had Shane Beshin in the round before quarters. And I'm getting this, all I remember about that, he's getting this crazy left that morning. I was first heat and then getting this blown out of this left handle. Like it was probably the best pipe wave I've ever had. And then the, the swell was really big, kind of still early. It was probably 10 foot, but then dying all day. And that's when backdoor started, you know, you know, when it goes dropping and it starts going a little bit more north, starts going the backdoor. And then had Chris Gallagher in the quarters. Um, and then he, I just remember him just yelling at me, just going, stop going right. I had like five <laughs> of the most best backdoor waves I've ever had against Gally. I ended up smoking him. And then I had Kelly in the semis. And then we both had two really crazy ones each. And then because it was best three back in those days as well, um, yeah, I had a stronger third one. He needed a four or something and, and didn't get it. So I ended up beating him in the... And if Danny and if, yeah, if Danny Wills had have got through his heat against Ross Williams and then I beat Kelly in the semis, Danny Wills would have been the world champion that year. So that's how close it was. Yeah, you did your um, part for him. Yeah, I did my part. Um, and then, yeah, Bruce um, had Bruce in the final. He was 17 years old, just a wild card, just smoking everyone, just this punk... You know, just loving it. Just it's one of the best barrel riders in the world, obviously. Yeah. Um, and get this: when I was paddling out for the final, there was uh, an expression session, and Christian Fletcher and Jerry Lopez are paddling out whilst I'm paddling in, and Bruce was in the final. They're all like, "Yeah, Bruce!" And then Christian Fletcher yelled out to me, "You've lost, and you don't even know it yet." And I just went, "What? What? You lost, and you don't even know it yet?" And I said, oh, I don't even care. If I, as long as I have fun, I, you know, I'm, I'm frothing or whatever. And Jerry Lopez just looks over me and goes, yeah, brah. I was just like, Jerry, just, you know, Jerry was the man back then, so I was frothing. And then, yeah, that the final amazing. went back and forth. Best three was pretty gnarly back in those That's days, you know. So 35-minute final, went back and forth, and then, yeah, it came down to two minutes. Bruce needed a seven or something and gets a seven-five on a backdoor wave. Comes into the beach, as you were saying, you know, he, he was like going like this, like on the nose of his board, like coming in, just going, yeah, like of one. He got to the beach and all the boys wanted to grab him and carry him, but he said, no, 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 it's not over. He turned around and that's when it was like, you know, five, four. I bottom turning into this wave and the hooter was going kind of thing. I was already up to my feet and then got this backdoor wave that was came out of this closeout somehow. And yeah, the rest is history, as they say. Yeah, so, what was the score? Uh, 9.6. Holy shit balls. Yeah. <laughs> That's an exclamation mark right there. Yeah, to like 10 seconds changed my life. That's so nice. No one would have remembered that poor little Aussie kid that got second to Bruce Irons. <laughs> Did you get you know? beat up after? No, well, no, I didn't. Like, I don't know, it's kind of like, I don't know. I had a lot of, it was kind of weird, but I had a lot of respect in Hawaii because I was a surface rep for the, ASP back in the day. Um, when I got on tour, I loved pro surfing so much. So I jumped on the want to be a surfers rep and you know be help out all the surfers as much as I could. And 
Sonny was on the board and Barton Lynch was on the board. And, you know, so Sonny was always had my back. Like I was so lucky to have Sonny always in Hawaii, like going, you know, if I was ever in China, trouble or whatever, I was just, you know, gave uh, old Sonny a call and help me out because I was in trouble a lot yeah. back uh, in those days. I've had Eddie door knocking looking for me and like pretty heavy shit because I was a surface rep and I was always like, because, you know, back in the day, the, sur- the Hawaiian guys always wanted um you know, get more guys in the yeah. contests and like all those slots. And I was going, well, they got to earn it like everyone else. And Sonny was always like that. He goes, you guys got to get out on tour like I did and got to do it the hard. Like, why yeah. should you guys deserve all this stuff? So, you know, I was just the little guinea pig guy that was had to go to the board meetings. And, um, yeah, so, but, yeah. So what was, yeah, going to that, that surfer rep position, I mean, it was about, like, you know, quality of the events price purse location like what what kind of influence did you guys have a little of everything or just gave your opinion no oh, it was pretty where we half owned the asp like the surfers owned half of the asp with the other half it was the most flawed system in the world like the surfers owned half the the events owned the other half mm-hmm. so we paid a membership and then the events paid a, a sanction fee to make the asp work you know to make the events happen whatever but so we'd go in there to go, yeah, we want more prize money. Blah, blah, blah. So I'm going, you know, Rod Brooks is, works for Quicksilver on the other side of the board that sponsors me, and I'm up there and he's going, you better keep your mouth shut. I'm going, fuck, this is heavy. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, it, was, yeah. it was a pretty bad situation. I mean, there's no way in the world that the, 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 the pro surfing's in the best place it's ever been now because they're trying to get outside sponsorships, and it was so um, controlled by the industry back in the day. But in yeah, saying that, the industry kept it going as well if yeah. you know what i mean all those hard times but i don't know it was a weird one they were all making themselves really really rich obviously because the surf industry back in my days were going like crazy. yeah that was the, the golden era for sure and they, yeah, the they weren't going to just shell out more money and over fist and, you know, but they they just went on and you know we're going to build this tour and you know but they didn't want it they kept it so amongst themselves kind of thing they did they always wanted that pie split up amongst themselves didn't want to segregate it up into eight or ten worth more, the small bits of pie, but, you know, they wanted the big slice and control it. And yeah. so it was a bit of a flawed system. And we tried to, you know, Greville Mitchell, I'm not sure if you guys know him, but he's the guy that helped all the surfers out from the bottom of his heart only because he loved pro surfing. And that's when the, um, you know, our union formed, the, WS, the WPS, you know, the World Professional Surfers um, Union formed in J-Bay one year. And that's when we... You know, we took some hard, you know, that's when the prize money jumped. And, you know, I won Piper, I won 16 grand. And I won J-Bay that year, or one of those years, I got 16 grand. And the next year, I won, I got, I won 30 grand. So wow. it jumped to like double in one year. So it was, uh, you know, that was all just because we band together and we had the power for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I kind of wanted to talk more about that, that final, the pipe final. Um, so you're sitting in the water. Bruce is already in. You saw him. He's doing the number one thing. In your mind, you're what, were you defeated or were you like, no, nah, man, there's still a chance? And and tell us about that. Like, no, oh, it was a, it was a crazy week. My my grandfather just passed away that week, and I was in Hawaii, so I I was pretty oh. close to my grandfather, and it was uh, it, 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 I'm not sure that like you know the the wounded athlete always you know you're kind of competing against. You're not really competing for yourself. You're competing for someone else. You're kind yeah. of like thinking, 
I was out there by myself and I was just kind of like going, wow, what an event. Like I was going, this is crazy. What's just happened? I'm in the pipe final. Like it was all just like it, it all just happened. Like it hadn't even really hit that I was actually in the final, you know, because, you know, I was in the round before quarters that morning and then all of a sudden I was in the final in one day, you know. So it was like. You didn't have days to think about it. It was all happening. No, it was like bang, bang, bang. And the waves were pumping. I was going, please get through because I want to serve back to one other guy because it was man on man. So it was like, it was, yeah, I was frothing. Um, and then, yeah, just that, that last 30 seconds, like there was the crowd. I, if, if there was a left, I couldn't have gone left because the crowd was all paddling in the lineup. That's how late it was. Holy and there crap. was Michael Crawley. I'm not sure you know who he, who he is, but. He reckons it was him that yelled out. Someone yelled out out the back and there was this lump that popped up and I went, no way, I'm going to get a chance here. And I went, oh, my God. And I was running a 7-4 surfboard, mind you. Wow. I was just scratching in this wave and I dead set pulled up into it and I went, oh, it's a dead set straight closeout. And then I went, well, it's, you know, 10 seconds. Like when I was paddling into it, it was like five seconds ago or whatever. So I was just going no matter what and just pumped into this pit and then, it kind of like went all white water and foamy and then that's why it like slowed down and went all in slow motion and just little doggy door at the top just let me squeeze out of it. So, yeah, I went through a whole big crazy section foam ball and then just squeaked out this doggy door when it went foamy and, yeah, it was Did you crazy. claim it? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my anyway, God. I just posted the right. I just did a, a podcast with uh, these guys in um, – over east in the east coast of Australia, and I, I posted a little thing just recently, so you can check it on that if you want. Oh, definitely, I'll find it. That's I mean, got to be just, I mean, there's a you know, triple crown, there's a pipe win, there's triple crown, and there's world champ are the three like most no- notable, like you know, wins and, and claims. Like, I mean, that's that's huge. That is yeah, a- I almost won a triple crown. I, I got third at Holly Eva and I won Sunset. I got ninth at Pipe and still didn't win. Wow. Yeah. So close. And he had to win Pipe to win, and he fucking won, didn't he? Wow. That guy. Yeah. So tell us about uh, the Sunset Final. He won a couple of times there. Yeah, and he had a 10 in the final, and I beat him. (laughs) What? Were the the waves big? It was the most perfect sunset you've ever seen. Me, Shane Dorian, Taj, and Andy, and it was... 10 to 12 foot, just absolutely firing. And it was just the best sunset I've ever surfed. And Andy had a 10 and all those guys were just sitting like halfway out, just out past the bowl and um, and getting barreled off their heads kind of thing. And my, and my brother, Ant-Man, he was a sunset maestro as well. He was um, helping yes, me out. Man. And he just goes, the tides dropped out. Just go paddle around everyone. No priority back four-man final and stuff. Just paddle right around at the back and take off on the peak. No one is taking off on the peak. And I was just going around, like paddling through the channel, going right around and getting these. I was getting like four or five turns on a wave, and these guys are just getting barreled kind of thing. So That's amazing. Pretty sick. Um, there's, there's, there's one event I wanted to bring up where there was an interference call, and uh, this one happened to be at your home break, Margaret River, <laughs> with uh, – the one and only Aki, not Chalky that, that's over here on the screen, but uh, yeah. yeah, that was that was a huge that was bullshit. That was so stupid. But I don't know. I, I was smoking the final, this four man final, and yeah. and just there's no priority or whatever. And 
pick just uh, was 30 seconds to go or whatever and there was a peak come up. I thought I got into this left. I got the chip shot into it and I was standing up and he just bulldogged his way on and like went around on the like just go backhand. Raging bull just forced me to go to go right kind of thing and I thought it was going to be a double but I thought I got up to my feet first and back in those days if you kind of got up first the, first the other guy normally pulled back but he had nothing to lose so he went which was stupid because yeah, anyway I ended up getting a fee interference and getting third mind you I didn't even get fourth with an interference um, and uh, yeah it, I would have won it happens it. but I mean I won know. Margaret once but I would have loved to win it twice yeah did you beat up Baki or not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were laughing. Like we were going down the way, laughing at each other. We were like, I don't know, it was weird. Like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> the last thirty seconds, anything goes, kind of thing, you know. Right. Right. It's uh, yeah. That that's got to be. You know, it happens. I mean, at least you didn't get chased out of the water by sharks at that event. <laughs> no. Yeah. That's. That's right. Back those days, there was there was no not even a fear of it. It was crazy. Yeah, you knew they're out there. You would see them, but nobody, you know, like it just. I don't know. It seemed it's escalated with all the more cameras and the video. You know, there's more awareness because it's it's being more videoed. But yeah, I mean, you live in the Cherokee area for sure. So uh, after when when did you finally like get off tour? Um, Two thousand and six was my last year. Yeah, and what were you? What was yeah, uh, ten, ten years? Ten years, pretty much on. Yeah, yeah, ten I, years. You, that's you incredible. Were, were you ready? Yeah, back like these days, it's, it doesn't seem like much, but back those days, it felt, felt like it was like eternity, like yeah. ten years onto it. Like that's yeah, a whole other life ago. Yeah, well, Kelly's just like he's on his thirtieth year on tour, so it was like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what yeah, uh, what was uh, what were you thinking you were going to do after the tour? Uh, shit. Yeah. I didn't really want to, I actually dropped off to her. Like I kind of like, kind of like dropped my guard a little bit. And, um, well, my, my best mate, Richard Lover went through can like bone cancer. Like he, he qualified for the year and ended up having to get a hip replacement from bone cancer kind of thing. And like, obviously wasn't, you know, wasn't by my side kind of thing. I kind of like lost focus a little bit and just kind of like went, Oh, well, you know, I got to that age where I was kind of like, going, well, this is it, isn't it? Like, kind of retire now anyway and I was kind of like you know I didn't really want to retire I'd kind of like chopped off and um I, I went oh, I'll probably I don't know I was kind of go I went out I was living at Bali at the time my wife had just moved to Bali to uh start a kids clothing line and um sick and then I ended up started working for Quicksilver and marketing up in up in Indonesia so kind of like took off from that way and then I had two years up there in a a haymaking marketing career. Wow. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah. That's and then moved back to, I ended up having another baby moving back to Australia. And then I started working for Quicksilver in Australia as a team manager. And that's where the coaching thing all started kind of thing when I was the team manager for Quicksilver back in those days. So, you so know, they kind of told you like, hey, take care of our athletes or, or help or travel the with them? Kind of thing. Like I was kind of like that natural kind of helping them out, coaching them anyway because of my past of like natural yeah. guy being the godfather to help out and you know so it was like a natural thing in Kanoa you know come to Australia and you know I'd have to pick him up from the airport you know because of Junior you know Quicksilver guy blah 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 and um, you know helping him out and then Leo and um, and then Belly kind of like Stephen Bell 
the European team manager kind of goes, oh, yeah, well, that's working pretty good, you know, I'll get you over to Europe to help out Leo and end up going to the ISA World Games with Leo for the <laughs> to be the Italian coach. Um, so that's how it all started kind of thing. And then, you know, I helped Julian Wilson qualify when he was with Quicksilver before he went to Nike and um, kind of like went kind of that kind of, kind of all fitted like it's a trust thing you know with those yeah. kids it's like if they trust you and believe that you you know what you're saying and it works for their for their ability kind of thing and like it all just naturally happened and then all of a sudden you know yeah were, were you I just kind of fell into coaching it was not like it was planned or anything yeah so 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 was Kanoa like the first kid that you kind of took focus on or it was more Leo. Okay. Yeah. And then, like, Kanoa kind of tagged along, and then, um, yeah. And then, yeah, I ended up getting sacked from Quicksilver as the team manager because um, I, I lived at home doing that team manager, and they wanted someone in the office in Victoria, and I was like, I'm not going to move to Victoria right. to be yeah. the team manager. Um, so, yeah, and that's when the coaching kind of, like, went, well, I'll, I'll – I'll try and do this for a real job kind of thing. And that's when Kanoa qualified, Leo qualified, you know, and we were off and bang, off. all yeah. of a sudden I was the coach. So you, you, pretty, you pretty much had to start your own business then, right? Like with yeah, coaching. I okay. did, yeah. yeah. I started my own coaching business and, yeah, it was, uh, you know, it worked out pretty well. Like we had a, had a sick little thing going, you know. I Well, Quicksilver helped me out like – Hey, I, I gotta take a five minute break. Five minute break? Okay. Yeah. All right. Five, do you want to sign? Break. Hold on. Do you want to keep going or? Yeah, we'll just keep going. We'll, we'll leave Larson um, out of it. <laughs> he's just had his, his morning coffee. I know where he's gone. <laughs> might be. It might be. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so, yeah, had this good little thing going with the Quicksilver team, and Quicksilver were paying for my travel to to be the coach for the Quicksilver team. So that kind of where it all started. Like I can, I got sacked as being the, the team manager, but then they paid for my travel to be a coach for those guys. And I charged those guys a, a smaller amount because all my travel was paid for. And yeah. Um, and then, yeah, worked out really well. You know, Kanoa qualified, Leo qualified, Zeke qualified, bang, bang, bang. And then all of a sudden, you know, Quicksilver wanted to pick up Griff. And then, so they let me coach Griff and then Griff qualified. Um, it's pretty good having all these talented kids, mind you. Yeah. You get what I mean? Like yeah, it's sure. a bit of luxury, but all it is is like giving my my mindset and work ethic to these kids and using their ability. Because if I, I keep telling them, if I had any one of your guys' ability, I would have won three or four world titles. <laughs> so, yeah. It's like, if I can be a pro server, you guys can qualify like, like that. Or you got to believe, you know? But you got um, those guys that are very early age right they were like probably 14 15 zeke was pretty established but i I think i molded zeke to to um you know to comply to the system a little bit more instead of being these raw power guy that kind of like just went out and try to blast things away i kind of like mold him a little bit to to conform a little bit more to to qualify kind of thing you know because he's such a he's a ct surfer no doubt yeah for me, his talent should be top ten in the world forever. You know, yeah. he's just got his head around believing that he's the top ten surfer in the world. Um, and yeah, the the kids like the kids are getting them at a young age is so good because they haven't 
You can mould them. them. Yeah, well, they just don't. They don't. They're not set in their ways. Right. They 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 believe kind of like that. I've been there and done it, made those mistakes, and and if I can just teach them the easy way to win early, it's so like, they trust it and they believe it, and they'll they kind of like Kanoa's like probably my best um, disciple kind of thing. Like the most smartest guy on the tour, I reckon. Like and for his ability and what he's done and how he's gone from you know being the skinny little Huntington kid to what he's doing now, you know, making pipe finals and yeah, pretty sick. Let's, let's talk about each individual guy because they all, it's, it's kind of crazy how they're all different. Right. Um, oh yeah. You, I don't coach anyone the same kind yeah. of thing. I mean, like for Ramsey Booker and kind of thing, you know, he's got the, one of the best backhands in the world. Like if there's a little right anywhere, I go tell him to see there's just the two backhand Rios on that little right there. Twice and you'll you're done, yeah. you know. And where is and he from? He, Morocco. Yeah, he's from Morocco. Okay, that's why he's backhand so lethal. Yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, I've got such a crazy list of guys that I've coached in the past. I yeah. mean, you know, Leo was a trust. You know, if I waved him over one way, like he'd paddle his ass off. You know, he trusted where I was sending him in a heat kind of thing or or whatever. You know, yeah. um, and Canal was just so switched on to, you know, but. I coach him like because I know Kanoa can read the waves really well as well and know what he needs and how he needs to get it kind of thing. So I kind of like have the same way he's thinking in the heat, so it's yeah. easy. Some guys don't think the same way. Like I, I understand where Kanoa's thinking and what how he wants me to think, and it's it's a really great relationship we've got. But like other guys, like Griff, I can't I can't see myself taking off on a closeout doing a ten foot air and landing it. You know right. that's what he does. Yeah. Do, so. Yeah. He's got a, a little bit more freakish uh, X factor to him, Griff, right? Yeah, well, it's just like you can paint – in, in professional surfing, you always paint yourself into a corner sooner or later because it's surfing, you know, the waves dry up or you've got to, you've got to turn a four-point wave into an eight somewhere along the line and you've got to have that ability and, you know, all the guys can do it these days, you know. Yeah. One big hump into a huge rotation and whether you've got the balls to stick it or not, you know, like yeah. a Philippe. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. All those guys. The the ratio of making crazy shit is is where it's at. So that's where I'm trying to get those top guys to, you know, to get to that level. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that uh, final that Kanoa made at, at Pipe and, 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 and the heats leading up to that, right? Because that was his first year on the CT that he made? Um, I think it was. I think was that his first or his second year. I think it might have been his first year. Cause that was amazing, right? Like the waves were pretty good. It wasn't huge, but it was still proper. People he beat along the way. He beat Kelly. He beat you know what I mean. He beat some crazy guys. Like where where if you're a betting man, he would have been so rank outside. Yeah. You know, but people know that Kanoa's like really precise and and like actually charges. Like you know, he's worked really hard on not being that Huntington. You know, scared of big wave things because he grew up kind of like everyone. You hear that, Larson? He's talking shit on you. Yeah. <laughs> no, I grew up like and had that tag of like being a, a crazy, really good small wave surfer. Yeah. But like, got overhead. He was kind of like shitting himself, kind of thing. But he worked really hard at that. And now look at him now. He's making he charges. five final cards and chokes and like, you know, crazy big waves in, in Portugal and stuff. He's, you know, it's sick to see. Yeah, he definitely surprised the hell out of everybody, you know, 
beating Kelly in that. Was that semis or quarters or what? I think it was the quarters. Quarters, yeah. Yeah. And he did it on a on a backdoor wave that you'd think, oh, psh, Kelly's got this kid, right? Yeah. Kelly's got this and kid in his back crazy. pocket. Yeah, but like Canelo only took two or three waves in that heat. Like he was so precise, knew what waves he wanted, and then had priority at the right time, and the wave came and delivered. You're like, yeah. that's what we work on. You yeah. Know? And isn't it isn't it that same uh, same contest that he double qualified and that automatically put Zeke into yeah. the CT2. So that's what happened. Canelo, like, yeah, had to had to make the semis or final to get the Zeke finished eleventh of the QS or something, and had to, yeah, yeah, had to put him back in. Yeah, that was a proud Great. day for Snake Tails, huh? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it normally is. Like, well, just the proud day for me was like Griffin Canelo in the final of the US Open. Oh my gosh! You know I mean? Like, it was like, what do you do? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Off you go, boys. You read, this board, you read this board. You sit here. You sit here. They're, you're like, tap out. Was, take gloves <laughs> off, boys. It's a, it's a bare knuckle fight. It's your turn. His turn. Whatever. Let's just see it. Yeah. And then, I mean, the way was terrible, but it was so exciting to watch. They both went bang, 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 bang. The league changed every exchange. It was sick. Yeah. Yeah. And just to let you know, Jake, those were super fun ways for Huntington people. <laughs> <laughs> That's our good day in Huntington, bro. Brutal. All right. So, well, um, you, you were coaching, uh, what was that other guy? Marco? No. Mark Lacamau. Yeah, yeah. That, kid, that guy was freaking pretty damn good, too. Now, not to get, not to get too, too personal, but how, how are you making a living with these guys? Like, how are you charging them? Oh, yeah, just per event. Like when I went to per event, like it was a numbers game, if you know what I mean. You had I had five guys in the QS and you, you go to the thing, they all chip in and Quicksilver was paying my travel. It was like, you know, make a if, – and it was a, if they did good, like, um, you know, it would be a percentage of the prize money if they if they made the quarters and stuff. So, um, you know, I had to back myself in a little bit to, you know, and a big bonus if they qualified. So, I, you know, the QS didn't really make much money for me, but – um, the CTs were like you had to back yourself into making sure one of them qualified to get the bonus to make it all worthwhile. Right. I think. Did, did you set? You know, you made. I mean, pretty good money over that ten years on tour with wins and and, and prize money and, and salary. Were you able yeah. to like put some of that away so after surfing you didn't have to you know stress so oh, much? Yeah, I did. I I actually yeah I did really well for myself. Like um yeah. But then I got like that, you know, when the world fell, you know, in 2007, like everything went to shit. I had like five investment properties that I owned that I'd retired and, you know, I wasn't earning all my living, like all the prize money, like, and then I was trying to sell all my investment properties to pay for my main house. And I'd just built a, a barley villa because we were living up there. Well, the worst time in the world to retire and, and yeah. things, so I ended up getting caught out basically, and, and lost a lot of lot of my stuff. But I'm healthy. I'm all good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's I mean, that's life. I mean, if you had a crystal ball, we'd all we'd all be rich. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, if I had retired a year earlier, it would have been perfect. I would have sold everything a year <laughs> earlier. Match, and I'm yelling up hill still that I built, but I you know I got caught and I couldn't yeah couldn't make the repayments, and then had to sell everything for cheaper than I wanted to and. I don't know. It was just a terrible time, but yeah. 
Uh, is, that, is that where you're still posted up right now, yelling up? Um, I'm actually in town in Dunsborough. So okay. I live on the golf course now, so it's pretty sick still. <laughs> nice. And you, and that's part, that's your hobby, right? Um, golfing? Oh, I way prefer to go play golf and surf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, re- I was reading one of, one of the... Surfing, I'm getting better at golf, so it's, it's you know, one of those ones. A thinking man's reading, game. I was reading one article where, you know, Kelly, Mr. Kelly Slater gets pretty much carte blanche anywhere around the world on the golf course. And, and oh, I tag onto that shit every time I can. <laughs> Kelly, the, most, the most incredible courses in the world, thanks to Kelly. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Him and Belly, like Belly sets it up and Kelly rocks up. And then all me, Tommy, and all the, all us guys just score big time. We play all these courses for free. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, we're not worthy. We're not worthy. It's like, <laughs> the red carpet gets rolled out for that guy, huh? Isn't oh, it? Unbelievable. It's so sick. I mean, it's nothing for the golf course to let him play for free and like the publicity that he can bring to it all and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and then we just tag along for the ride and just score big time. It's not what you know, it's who you know, right? Yeah. yeah. It, pays, it pays to know the goat. <laughs> yeah, it does. Do you, do you find surfing and golf has that same mental capacity of like, you know, like it's so easy to just to like. Oh, 100%. I try and get my guys into it because the mindset you got to have because it's so, oh, it can be so frustrating and so conserving if you get what I mean. You got to deal with the elements. You got to adapt really quick. It's you know more I mean? a head game than anything. I mean, and a head game of staying 18 holes to keep your head together for 18 holes is gnarly. That's a marathon. That is a yeah. marathon. Yeah, and like that's four hours of keeping your head together in one thing. So, and in and surfing, if you can keep your head for thirty minutes, you're doing pretty good. Yeah. So I I uh, have religiously watched Snake Tales over the years. I love it. Love it. Love it. Religiously watched them, and um, you guys always seem to get along. Is that always the case, or is there like shit no, goes down? Not, I normally don't. In like we, uh, I've had huge fights with Zeke before. Um, it's, I'm not a back patter, you know what I mean. So yeah. if, if you come in, you fucked up the game plan, and you lose. I kind of like say, well, fuck you, you did this, and like if you don't like what I hear, they obviously bite back, kind of thing. But I, what's the point in just going bad luck? Yeah. For me, not learning anything. If you're just going, oh, bad luck, better luck next time. You got to learn from that. What you, what I thought, if especially if you didn't stick to the game plan. Yeah. Um, you know, my game plans are always the percentage, what I feel is the best way to win. And, and I'm not always right. Like, you know, it's, it's mother nature. Things change and, and you know, you've got to adapt halfway through a heat or if the game plan isn't going to plan or whatever. But um, but if the game plan wasn't adapted and it was the easy way to do it, like, and you yeah. didn't stick to it, it's like, well, that's why you lost. And, and I don't know, sometimes... People don't like hearing why. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, the, some of the best coaches are, are, you know, they're not, like you said, one's patting on your back and boosting you up. They're the ones that are like, this is what it takes. Push, yeah. push, push. But um, going back to like giving them advice, you know, like here's the conditions. This is the board. I think you're, you know, that you should ride because I've seen you, you know, surf on it or whatever. Do you also look at like who they're up against, like competitor wise? Well, this is his strength, you know, try to keep him off his backhand or this guy, you know, like you. you 100%. 100%. Yeah. And I know, like, I don't want my guys wasting time hassling for the inside at the start of the heat if it's against someone that I know that's going to keep you out of the lineup. Like, yeah. all that kind of stuff, knowing who you're against and, 
and as you said, like the, the equipment, we all always trying to get there early and the video sessions, it's all, that's how snake tails came about, you know, because I'm videoing all these sessions going back and going, that's the board, you know, look, have a look, even if it doesn't feel that right, but look how good it looks. It's smooth and you're not catching yeah. rails, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then, you know, giving them confidence, a confidence game, you know. Yeah. It's, but, but, but learning your opponent, like a chess match, you know, you know, certain guys are going to go out there and they're going to try to do everything they can to get the inside position or you got another guy that, hey, he's only going to wait for sets. So you could grab a couple on the middle insiders first, you know, get a couple points, put them up, you know, so there's a lot of that going on for sure. Yeah. It's reading the conditions and knowing who you got and then and weighing up the best way how to, you know. I tell my guys, you get two sixes every heat all year, you're qualifying. Yeah. That's how easy yeah. it is. But you try and do that every heat. It's not that easy. It's like... Oh. Snakes, be careful because uh, Larson's trying to get... Uh, free advice from you because he's he's trying to groom his grom into a, a pro surfer too yes yeah, <laughs> i just i just want to surf with him and, and I, i'm not pushing him i'm not you know he's just he's just got that little he's 11 and he just wants to surf i'm, I'm there yeah, well that's it that's uh, i didn't push my kids into surfing at all like no. because i was that you know they were always forced to like they had all this pressure to be better you know because your dad's a pro surfer, that you should be better than what you are. So my kids didn't start serving until way later because of that reason. Yeah. Because yeah. they didn't like yeah. the pressure of like their friends going, oh, you know, you should be, you know, you know, yeah. kids. Your dad's yeah. Jake the Snake. Come on, man. Yeah. And I tell you, it's not easy to learn right, right where I live either because I'm not sure, you know, all our beach breaks are like rabbit hill, bang, bang, you know. <laughs> yeah. Nasty. Yeah. And all reef breaks, you know, it's like pretty. It's no no easy little Huntington shore breaks, I yeah. tell you. Yeah, <laughs> you got to commit. There's a lot of waves that are just you got to you know throw yourself out there, and that goes back to like I mean, where you live, the balmy, all these spots. I mean, that's a far paddle out. I mean, a lot of you got to be pretty water safe. You got to be headstrong in the water, regardless of your surfability. But like there, you know, where you grew up, I mean, it's it's raw. It's a lot. Yeah, of, it is raw. You got a lot. You got a lot of got a lot going on. A lot going on, yeah. and there's no yeah. lifeguard like right there, like no looking way. out for you. It's you and your no. mates, or just you, like you're yeah, a full wheel drive track with just you and your, yeah, your mates to go out surf this bommy on a seven foot surfboard, and you're getting ten foot sets on the head. Like it's you and Mother Nature. Yeah, it's I kind of raw. Uh, we were uh, surfing the womb, and you know where that is. You got to pretty much park and then hike down the beach like a mile or two. And yeah. uh, one of our friends. Jeremy Somerville wiped out and popped his shoulder out of socket. And we're on the beach, at least a 20 minute walk back to the car, another half hour to the hospital, whatever. And he's like freaking out. So we just four of us held him down and grabbed his arm and like yanked it back in place in the middle of like, we're in the middle of nowhere. And that happened. Yeah. It was so gnarly. Two of my friends have broken their legs at that wave. That's how heavy that was. That's that's your little pipeline right there. It is. It's nasty that that place. I, I'm I'm never surfing that wave again. It's <laughs> well, it's just like on your backhand. It, it makes your air drop out, and you can't get your edge in. And then yeah. it ledges, and then the both the guys that broke broke the legs on on natural footers. You just bottom turn, so you can't get on the lip. And both times landed on the the back of the shoulder, broke the back leg. Bang! Wow, that's heavy. That's nasty. Yeah. So I was uh, I listened to that podcast that you did with those guys, and that other guy was a coach, right? When yeah, it's nice. Okay. And you guys, uh, it was funny listening to uh, 
you coaches talking about getting in arguments with other coaches. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I try not to, but another competitive scene behind this. There, there's, there's not, there is, but there's, there, there is, but there isn't kind of thing. It's like, yeah. I don't know. I, I've, I, I'd kind of like trying to keep that out of it. Like, you know, but like, I don't like other coaches making fun of the way I coach. Yeah. That's just bullshit. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't make fun of them. So why should you make fun of the way, it, if you think I'm cheating or whatever? I don't know. It, it all came about because Micro and and actually Stace, they were they think cheating if, if you're waving sets or, you you know, you're waving kids around the lineup or whatever, yeah. you know, or telling them there's one out the back. I don't know. It's just like... That's what I, they I do on in regular sports. Every man for himself. Like, if, if that athlete believes enough in his coach to, to say there's wave out the back, like... What, yeah. Whatever, <laughs> Flips to, to Toledo's dad's got a whistle for every wave in the set. No it's kidding. Like, yeah, I just can't whistle. That's all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What? When, when I was listening to that, I was like, "What are these guys talking about? Like, why would that be illegal? Why would that be?" It's not, not illegal. The they just think they just think coaching should be on the beach, and then you you send your athlete out there, and then it's up to them to 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 win how they want to win. I was going, but why would they pay you? I mean, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I'll do anything it can for my athlete to beat your athlete, yeah. whatever. But, but and that's it, why we, it came back from my days when I was on tour. I beat Shane Powell at Bells one day. I asked Tony Ray to wave sets at me at Bells, and it was came down to like the last three minutes of the heat. I needed a six point five, and I'm paddling to rink on. I'm not sure if you know Bells that well, but I was paddling up the point to try and get like a little wave, and then I. I'm halfway to ring. It's like a 45 second paddle. Um, and then I turn around and T Ray's waving a set. So I paddle back to the bowl and get the set off Joan Powell and get an eight point right and win the heat. It's like, yeah. it's like, if he wasn't there, I'd lost that heat. Yeah. If yeah. he wasn't waving the set, like, it's but whether, um, yeah. whether a coach or a friend or a caddy in the water at certain spots or, or fans on the, depending on the setup, like if you're in Huntington and there's people on the pier, they're already hooting before sets yeah. come. They're like, they see it. They're just, the energy's and there. I, I believe cheating's an earpiece where you can like, but if you're on the beach waving something and they've, they've got to see you and they've got to adapt to what you're doing and you've got to have a plan. It's like, yeah. so what? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like, fuck that. Fucking micro put it on his Instagram and started fucking saying, fucking look at the, you know, and I just, I just got all leg at it and just went, fuck off. Make fun of me. I put it on Instagram. Like, that's just petty bullshit. You know? I love it. I love the controversy, but we do back you. Yeah. We do no, back I, you. I don't care. You got know what I mean? I just, I don't, I'm playing within the rules. I believe it's fair. And like, just because you don't think it's fair because what, you're a purist and you don't do it. It's like, <laughs> fuck off. On the flags on the beach, you know, there's all kinds of different like signals and, and yeah, people are doing it's, everything. It's, and it's, it's been, been around for forever. And, I don't know. I, yeah. I well, thought it was just bullshit. And, but like, how do you, how do you feel like the, the, like the QS like spots now for kids to like, you know, make that jump? I mean, there's not as many events as when we were, you know, doing it. So yeah, it's, the, the prime events now are gnarly because there's so many points involved. Like, if you're not doing any good in those those events, and um, you know, it, it's pretty good. I mean, Belido can get really good. Like yeah. the potential, and they've got a waiting period. You know, they've got a week to run, four or five days. So it's not like you're out there. Like, you know, back in the days, like you're at you're at Durban, and it's it's one foot, and 
you're out there. It's like it is yeah. what it is. It's QS. It, the show must go on. But these days, they've kind of tried to mimic a mini CT kind yeah. of thing. So it's pretty cool. Like, you know, and then, then, then um, Portugal's got that Riviera place, which is, you know, poor man's bells or whatever. And then, you know, it all comes down to Hawaii. I mean, it's like the best showdown. You can come from 120th and still qualify. Yeah. Two, two primes and you've got to... You know, it's, a, it's the proven ground for every pro surfer, if you ask me. And, and then, you know, put yourself in a shot and you got to man up and perform. You know, Sunset can be your best friend or your worst enemy, I can tell you that much. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, a lot of, lot of variables out there, that's for sure. Yeah, but you've got to be, you know, the be, you got to adapt, you know, you got to, all the freaks are going to come through the system no matter what because yeah. they've got to be able to surf you got to be able to do a whirly bird on a one-foot wave and get yourself out of those trouble, you know? I was saying paint yourself into a corner. You've got to turn a, uh, a four-point right into a six or an eight somewhere along the line in a contest, you know? Yeah. So the freaks always seem to do that, you know? The fleets and all those guys came through the QS. Dane, Geordie, bang, 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 you know, they all made it, can do that shit, you know? Yeah. Um, the, the harder competitors, like back in my days, the grinding guys that, you know, have to – pick that wave you can do three turns on instead of an air is like it's harder you know yeah days so you you were saying how uh if if taj if you coach taj he could have been a world champion right yeah i I, yeah i i believed it i believe it too Um, i I reckon he started all the coaching shit like probably two or three years too late yeah like he had coaches and he started training and he started doing all that stuff but it was like all when he thought he, you know, when he wanted to get serious and try to put win the world title, but he'd already lost four years of his heyday. Yeah, kind of thing. yeah, yeah. He was out of his pri- not out of his prime, but mentally uh, not even close to out of his prime. But yeah. like I mean, strategy wise and mental wise. Yeah, yeah. That's that would. Uh, I don't know. That's just me being cocky, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So are when- you? Are you guys? I mean, I mean, he's. Living there, or is he in Bali? Where is he at? Is he in yelling? Oh, he's yeah. living here. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So I don't, Adam, see him that much. I don't surf that much. I'm grinding away in the office job at the moment. I've, um, you know, with the way the world is these days, it's yeah. like, yeah, I've just pretty much retired from coaching because of what's happened. Yeah. yeah. Just put a big old um, thing, and I've got a sunscreen brand called We Are Feel Good Inc. <laughs> so um, now I'm running that whole company. Um, and it's doing really well, and we're you know hopefully going to come into America next year. And we've got Griffin Cole Pinto on board, and you know got a bunch of guys, Tom Carroll and Mark Richards, and a whole bunch of cool surfers. And so that's the idea. And, yeah. and these, these guys next, next summer, put, these guys have invested and put in on on like being a part of the company or just ambassadors. Just ambassadors, yeah. They just love the product. We got a. There's uh, myself and two other partners, and one of us was a skin doctor. So he's like the the, the science guy of it all. And um, yeah, uh, yeah, he's got this product that's just you know got no nasties in it, and kind of thing. And it's you know it just feels really good on your skin. And like I was like the guinea pig guy. I was going like, okay, this is what I want. I want a sunscreen that rubs right in, so it doesn't leave you looking like a ghost. And it's like 50 plus, going to last four hours in the water. And yeah. that won't run into my eyes, and we got this product that does all that, so it's sick. So you're uh, not in the U.S. yet? No, we're not in the U.S. We okay. you can buy it on our website, but 
um, and we can post it in the US, but um, yeah, the postage is pretty expensive. But yeah, we're um, yeah trying to get a distributor in the US as as we speak, and hopefully going to be signing something soon. So next summer, you guys will have it. Yeah. Well, if it, you need any help with that, let us know because that's what we do. Yeah, we're, oh, we're yeah. we know a lot of people, a lot of accounts. You know, we you know looking for sponsor sunscreen, so much sponsor. You know. <laughs> Everyone needs sunscreen. That's awesome. So, like, when you – who were you going to work with on your roster this year prior to it shutting down? Like, did you – like, who would you get committed from to coach this, this year if it were to go down? Uh, well, on the CT, I had uh, Ethan Ewing, um, Kanoa, Griff, um, and Steph. Steph Gilmore. Yeah. Wow. So, on the CT and then on the QS, um, I had uh, – Hiroto, Crosby, um, Cade, Cole, or yeah. pretty much all so many. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, who have I forgot? Um, oh, obviously, those guys on the QS as well. Zeke was back on the team. Um, yeah, I had a I had a big roster, but um, it's, it's sick. I like the, my whole thing, my whole froth about coaching is getting someone through the QS onto the CT because yeah, yeah. that's, 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 that's coaching. Coaching a CT guy on the CT is like, you've already, well, it's like you've already got there, you know, yeah. you're already there for a reason. You're already a good surfer. You're already, you know, yeah. thing. but like for, for me, thing, the challenge is getting those kids using that raw ability because there's so many of the crazy talented kids that can't, get it together and how many guys in our era, Jay, like yourself and Benji and all these guys that served 10 times better than me never made it. Yeah. yeah. So I want to make sure that those guys that have faith in me that I am get them on tour kind of thing. So Yeah, that's so I, awesome. So I'm going to ask so you, important. I'm going to ask you hard questions right now. Uh-oh. So next Just year, you, you, you saw the WCT schedule, right? Is there a possibility of Snake Tales regrouping and back on in 2021? Uh, nah, not, 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 not chance. So you're saying there's a chance? <laughs> <laughs> we sure no chance. <laughs> so there, so you're saying there is a chance? No, no. I said, I, I said, um, I, I coached Steph at the Olympics because I was, I was supposed to coach Steph at the Olympics, um. If it had gone ahead this year, so um, I said I'd do Steph at the Olympics next year. Um, I've actually teamed up with Tommy Whitaker to do coaching from home mm. with him being the ground guy because, uh, you know, I kind of taught him everything I know when we were on tour and, yeah, you know, and we kind of think the same way and he was the same kind of guy as me. It's like, you know, pick the best waves and not fall off and just, you know, kind of coach the same and, um, so we've teamed up together and we hopefully most of my guys will sign up with him and yeah, we're going to work together that way. So, awesome. you know, I'll be at home for like on the phone and texting and watching obviously online, but yeah, my travel days are, are done yeah. for, for now anyway. So, you know, what? the sunscreen business is going crazy. So I'm, I'm you know, going to put all my energy into that. That's what? cool. I'll Say it again. The there's, no, there's no certainty that tour is going to start in December, by the way. I know. Yeah. I, know. I know, right? It's like so that's what, how, I've got a, you know, I got offered the job to run the company and I had to like either take it or leave it. And it was like, well, that's just a, it's a no brainer right now because there's, 
I don't get paid if there's no tour events going on. So right. you know, feed the family. You know, there's life's got to go on. So yeah, and it's it's a pretty pretty good gig. So I you know bit the bullet and. You know, the saddest thing for me is not making those snake tail videos because that's really rewarding, you know. Me too, man. I, I, I loved it. My heart is broken because of that. Yeah, well, it's just like the people I – wanted, I wanted to show the kids like the, the raw emotion of kind of like what happens on the QS tour. Like it's it's like everyone thinks it's this, this dream kind of like all these kids travel around and thing. I kind of wanted to see the grind. They were all grinding and we we're working hard and – and this is, you know, the losses, how how many losses they've got to take, you know. Right, right. It's gnarly. Yeah, like it's, yeah. And how hard it is. And how yeah. and the shit waves they've got to surf, basically. Like, yeah. And how adapting, like, one, the first year I did Snake Tails, if you go back and watch one of the, the early ones, Leo made the final and you go through and watch the, the waves hit the surf through that event at Newcastle was unbelievable. From one to two foot onshore shit to ten foot onshore howling stormy shit to four foot clean to you know yeah. uh, it was crazy. Like had to serve eight heats to make the final, and every heat was had to be a full game plan for completely different conditions. So uh, it's just I wanted that's what I wanted kids to see, kind yeah. of like what these guys had to adapt and what they have to do to to make it, kind of yeah. thing. So it's chess, not checkers. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and just the, the behind the scenes funny shit because we have a great time. I, this is what I tell these kids. I said, if you're not having a good time, you're wasting your time. You know, yeah. you've yeah. got to be out, there wanting to be away, wanting to have fun, doing what you love to do, and um, enjoying the process of doing it. Um, sure, you're going to lose more than you win, but it's you don't have to win all the time. You win big, and you know, take those chances, and you and you'll make it. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. yeah. So, out of the two of your of your uh, disciples, Griffin and Kanoa, who's going to be world champ? Both. Woo! <laughs> okay. That's an easy one, isn't it? You're not going to pick one, huh? No, no way. <laughs> I tell you what, I tell you what, Ethan Ewing kid, he is one of the most talented surfers I've ever coached as well. Okay. So, you know, get what I mean? If, Nick Fanny two point oh around like being an Andy Irons kind of like mental state, he could come through and win easy too. All right. He's incredible. Have you seen yeah. much of that surf? Yeah. 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 Nick Fanny two point oh. Jeez, he is watch watch one of his last one of his latest Instagram clips he put out surfing like two, three foot snapper. It is incredible. Nice. Yeah. What do you like, what do you think uh, outside of the tour, maybe starting in in you know, at pipe, you know, what do you think of just the tour stops, you know, this next year? And is there, do you miss like a lowers and do you think the wave pools are, you know, important on tour or should be a specialty event? Like, I mean, no, I love the wave tour. I love the wave pool. I yeah. love the, I, there's a 10 point wave coming your way and you got to build up and perform. It's, it's incredible. I, I love the whole thing of the wave pool. Cause I read into like, you know, this guy's dropping a 6.8 on this because you only get two chances of the left and the right. And this yeah. guy's already got a 6.8. Is he going to ball? You know, what's he going to do here? Yeah. Is he going to save himself for the, for the, because it's gnarly. The Kelly's wave pool is so long and so exhausting that are you, do you rest yourself because you're dropping a four point right on the right? It's like a full, it's, it's a, it's a game of chess again. Yeah. It's, yeah. And it's like, the, way more 
top and, guy's and, got to balls up and, and man up and, and perform. And if you don't, if you fall, it's game over. It's yeah. like you can't fall and you've got yeah. to man up and you've got to perform and it's it's crazy. I love that stress. I love the, to yeah. see how everyone reacts and how they perform and I just I was, I was into it. We'll talk about uh, the ultimate playing field, right? A fair playing field. Like there's no excuses for nature or luck or blah 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 it's all on you to not to do the best turns you can do and not fall yeah kelly's i think kelly's waist pulls too long to be honest it's like (laughs) it's 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 why it's like wow it's like a just to judge it for for one it's like wow you know they're going to remember the first turn like 45 seconds ago it's like I'd love to see the Waco thing and guys get more chances kind of thing. Like it's a, it's the best guy's going to win on that day. You know, For the sure. guy that's going to perform, he's going to get 10 chances in 20 minutes. Yeah. Off you go. It's the yeah. same ramp, blah, 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 bang, bang, bang. But Kelly's like, it's, it's, it's a different, it's a, it's a different chess match. It's like, you've got to, you know, it's suited to only a few guys that there's only, a, there's only a handful of guys that can win that event. Yeah. Yeah. Any, any, uh, any spots you would like to see back on tour? I mean, oh, I'm so stoked! Gland's back on tour. That was. I um, I'd love to see a little barley leg because because Kramas for me is like one of the most high performance waves in the world. And I mean, we saw guys doing unbelievable surfing. Like and they run it when it's onshore and it's sick. You know, it's like guys ripping. Yeah. Um. So it's a bummer to lose that because Gland will just be. It's you're not going to see any airs out there. You know, it's like. You know, it's one yeah. of those ones. So you're sacrificing a high-performance trestles kind of wave. For, oh, I want to see trestles back for sure. I reckon that was – that's like the, the skate park of the, the surf world. Yeah, yeah. It's like that was my favorite event to go to when I was on tour. It was like Lowers was like – you know, I, I got second one year to Andy at, at Lowers just for chess game because, you know, Lowers is pretty gnarly. you got to yeah. pick the right one out there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I just loved all that, you know – it's kind of like you've got a man up and you've got to surf really, really well there and got to have good boards. And it's like, you know, it, it's like if you can't perform at lowers, you can't, you know, every um, uh, weakness gets exposed. I, I yeah, fear. I was just going to say, it's very, very equipment like exposed, you know, like not one to surfer, but you could tell if that board doesn't flow. You've got to go hand bone because it's, it's a rippable wave. But I heard that that's where that, that final event might be. Huh? I hope so. Hope so. I hope it's ours. Yeah. I hope so. And not just because it's close to our home and, and obviously, you know, it's just to watch the best surfers out there at any given day is just, you know, everybody wants I can't to. wait to hear how they're going to do this last event thing. Like they want to, you know, crown the, the world title in one day kind of thing because, you know, what if what, what if someone comes through one year, like Philippe Toledo comes through and wins six events in one year, he's got the world title sewed right up. up. Yeah. And that comes to that last day and he's got tonsillitis. <laughs> yeah. That would suck. You know I mean? It's just like, oh, bad luck, mate. There's, there's your world title, but you, you, you actually won it, but we're going to crown someone else today. That's, yeah. that's what I feared. Like, is that going to happen? Could that happen? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Or is he going to be like almost unbeatable when he comes into that last event? That's what I, I I want to see. I want to hear the system of going into that last event. I like the idea of it, but I want if someone's that far out ahead, he can almost not lose. 
yeah. and he gets crowned that day. But it's like whether that event's worth two two events or double points or whatever, who cares? But yeah. I want it so he if he makes the you know he makes it through one heat, but he should be crowned. You know, if he loses first heat and then some some guy that was second goes through the wins, maybe that could happen. But that's it could be crazy for the girls' side especially because you know one of these girls like for Steph if she goes wins you know wins five events that, that's what happens on the girls' side that's what happens it's yeah. like a, yeah. two girls or three girls will win like a lot of events and then they go into you know they have that time of the month day on that last day and then that's pretty crazy yeah bad luck I never even thought yeah. about that yeah but you know you've won five events but you know you had your you know, you got your period that day and bad luck, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. That would be weird. Yeah. Win the world yeah. title. It's like, I, I mean, want to hear, I, I don't know the, the ins and outs of it yet, but that's what I've been hearing. It's like going to be, yeah, it's going to throw the top five guys into the crown. It's, but I don't know. I don't know the, the ins and outs of it too much. So did you yeah. get to surf uh, Kelly's pool? And have you uh, surfed other I've been wave there pools? Four times and never had a wave. No. Pretty, pretty brutal. Jake, Everyone. the snake never Bring got it. a wave in Kelly's pool. You've been there four times. Yeah. Uh. Every time I've been there, it's for the event and stuff. So it's like, well, I understand. I'm, yeah. I've only been there once for a coaching thing, and it's like every wave is a premium thing. I was like, I'm going to take a wave off one of my guides. It's kind of feels pretty rude. It's like, so I was never pushing the issue. I guess I could have maybe if I really want to be that guy. But. That's why you should have coached me. I would have given you some money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, come on. Here's a little bonus. Here's a little bonus, bro. Little well, chip, chip. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, Courtney Conalog Shaper has probably surfed it more than any of our friends because Courtney has invited him and he's gotten to surf it. You know, Tim Stamps. Yeah. 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 He's, he's surfed it so much. But it's, it's a good idea for the shapers to surf it as well, I feel, because yeah. you kind of got to get used to I've, – I've surfed the wave pool in um, in Wales when they did that Red Pool event back – I was head judge for that thing back in – I don't know, whenever they ran that. It was ages ago. Um, and uh, I, I surfed that, and, and it was so different. Like, you, it's good for a shaper to actually know yeah. what the ins and outs of the – power of the wave and how the board's got to fit so yeah. i get that but you know yeah but you're the coach, coach though you gotta you gotta experience that wave to coach that wave yeah i, I totally excuse. agree but you know <laughs> yeah. all good i i wish um the wsl or a sponsor would bring back that search event which was you know these guys go to the same tour same events and you know they get kind of in that same rhythm some guys are yeah. better at certain events that was the best thing ever wasn't it i think you need a very the first event should have been finished after that mexico event i tell you yeah. Yeah. right but, that, but the, i was at that event and that's the best ways i've ever seen but ever in a contest ever i mean for me natural footer right hand point break sand barrels and rippable as well whatever you wanted yeah. to do it was incredible mind-blowing yeah. Mind-blowing. Uh, and it's got to be cost-effective, cost right? Yeah. But, but the search went to Reunion. It went to, to, to there. went to Puerto yeah. Rico, Peru. Yeah, Peru. I don't know about Peru. That was pretty gnarly. But yeah. um, but just to throw that, that curveball on tour would be awesome. Yeah, I, I agree. I reckon it's a sick idea. Well, Jake the Snake Man, what time is it for you right now? 
we're, we're nearly at 1 a.m. Oh, crud. You night owl? Yeah. I, we, I don't want to, like, uh, keep you up more because it's your Monday, right? Yeah, you, yeah. I've got to actually go to work. you got to go hours. to work nowadays. Yeah. Grinding. Yeah. Well, we, um, we definitely want to promote your um, sunscreen company. We are Feel Good Inc., and yeah. hope yep. we, we can see that uh, here in the States soon. We'll uh, happy pay for postage for uh, a package. Just let me know your Venmo. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we don't have Venmo in Australia yet. We're a little okay. behind. All right. Um, Bust out that credit card, brother. <laughs> pay, PayPal, yeah, credit card, plastic. Um, but no, um, it's awesome that you're, you're, you're invested in a, in a brand or a company that you know, you're passionate about, but you also have you know, some vested interest and hopefully, you know, there's no ozone down there. So you need more sunscreen than we do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You still get burnt there. I'll tell you. Yeah. Everywhere. I mean, yeah. But, Jake, um, Jake the snake, man, it's yeah. been so freaking awesome talking to you today, but, um, listening to your stories and watching snake's tales over the years, like you've groomed these dudes to be, competitive machines and um you know you've given them great worth ethic and really like that's what you know for me that's that's insane you know when you have good work ethic you succeed in in other parts of your life right yeah so thank you for Uh, sharing i want to we you know we promote we promote this show for about a week, so we're gonna need some uh, some photos and some content we'll pull it off your like instagram and 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 stuff to help promote but Anything that you could um, send us that's special to you or, or cool? Uh, okay, I'll uh, I'll have a look. I'll, I'll email across what I can find. Perfect. And, uh, and, but, yeah. and, and I have a uh, a cup that was given to me by you and Will for my twenty first birthday. Yes. <laughs> and I have to find it. I kept it and I have it. And it has "Happy twenty first from from you and Will" on it. And Lewis. I, I, I got to find it because these guys were in town. My birthday's actually in a couple of days. It was right during the U.S. Open. Tomorrow's your birthday. The 20th. And, uh, we, we raised the warehouse party like no other. <laughs> yep. Oh, I was remember. he there for your warehouse party? Yeah. Oh, my gosh, dude. I partied yeah. with you then, Jake. There, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'll have to I'll have to find the cup and we'll we'll promote we'll we'll use that as a shot for sure. Yeah. I think he's still good. Anything else you want to promote, Jake? No, all good. Dude. All good. Thanks for, well, thanks uh, for yeah. Thanks for your time, man. This has been amazing. And uh, I it was. In in about ten years, when Junior's uh, ready to need some coaching <laughs> and you're retired from sunscreen, uh, you know, selling the brand, you could uh, get back on I'll tour. Be back. Yeah, you'll be my first call. Dick. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Jake the Snake. Peace. Stay healthy. See you, boys. Later. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please give us a five-star rating and spread the word. Special thanks to our good friends, James Williams, for our awesome artwork, and Justin Reynolds for the amazing music.